You're clean, aren't you? Except for your tower. You're a tower junkie, Roland. Hello and welcome to Tower Junkies, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. Tower Junkies is a podcast devoted to Stephen King and his magnum opus, The Dark Tower series. We discuss the themes, characters, and mythology of the series in Palaver episodes and review the books and comic series in Keth episodes. We also discuss King novels related to The Dark Tower, as well as non-Tower King novels in TV and film adaptations of King's work. And of course, we also discuss the latest news about potential Dark Tower-related adaptations. You can find more of our work at TowerJunkiesPod.com and follow us on every level of social media at TowerJunkiesPod. I am your Din, Matt Hurt, and uh, today it's just me. We're doing kind of a special episode here um, on Tower Junkies. So since this podcast kind of came into being um, because we, we being me and Tiny, over at the Obsessive Viewer Podcast, we basically... Um, have spent the last year, year and a half on the obsessive viewer just talking about the lead up to the Dark Tower movie. And we actually had basically the genesis of this episode, of this podcast, Tower Junkies, was the result of having about five hours worth of content solely related to the Dark Tower movie itself. Our reactions, our, our, our uh, reviews of it, our expectations for it in the, in the span of about in the span of about one week, we had recorded over five hours worth of material solely about the Dark Tower movie. So thus, Tower Junkies was born. So we launched the podcast a, a few weeks ago, and we basically, it's been in the shadow of the Dark Tower movie. We've, in my episode zero that I released, it was basically a, a recording of me and Tiny talking about the movie in the lead up to it, sharing our excitement and everything. And then last week's episode was us having a palaver about uh, pitching The Dark Tower and Stephen King to non-readers. So given that the movie was released about a month ago, and obviously people that are uh, fans of The Dark Tower and are going to be investing in listening to us talk about The Dark Tower and Stephen King for however long this podcast goes on or as long as it takes for you guys to get sick of us. Um, in the interest of that, what I've done for this episode is I have packaged together most of our, um, really all of our recordings, uh, when we, when we reviewed the Dark Tower movie on Obsessive Viewer. So if you don't want to, if you don't want to bother with, if you're just strictly a Dark Tower fan, and just looking for a Dark Tower podcast, I'm not going to make you go listen to the Obsessive Viewer to get me and Tiny and our uh, friends' um, reaction to the movie. So what I'm doing is I'm putting this this episode together here. Obviously, it's an extraordinarily long episode, um, but I have timestamps in the show notes. Basically, we have a few different types of reviews that we that we had. Um, We've kind of reached out to our own little quartet um, on Obsessive Viewer to have uh, frequent guests come back on and, and talk about what they thought about the movie. So we basically have a full review with our friend Tony Troxel from Geeking in Indiana. 
which is a local uh, Indiana geek-related blog, obviously. Uh, it's at geekinginindiana.com. And uh, we also have our friend Robert Feckus, who is a frequent guest on The Obsessive Viewer. And the reason that I'm introducing those two in particular um, is that they their reviews take up the meat of of the recording. And spoiler for the future of the podcast here, but we have made arrangements to hopefully get uh, Feckus on a uh, semi-regular basis to talk about the the books as he reads through them. And then we've also arranged for Tony uh, to also provide his his feedback on the books as he reads them for the first time as well. So consider this to consider this to kind of be an introduction to what would essentially be the full content of Tower Junkies podcast in at least this initial form and everything. Um, and then also I've snuck in here a little, uh, a, uh, a brief review from our friend Mike, who was a former full-time uh, co-host on the obsessive viewer. He called in with his thoughts on the dark tower. So we went ahead and threw that review in here. And so I will be kind of breaking in, in between each recording to kind of give you, give a summary and, and let you know what, where we're heading to next and everything. And if you want to just skip my little interludes here, feel free to go ahead and check the show notes on this uh, episode and also at towerjunkiespod.com slash zero zero two. That's where you'll find all the show notes for the episode on the internet. Um, so I'm going to kick off this recording with... Uh, Tiny and I's initial, initial reaction to the Dark Tower movie. This recording, it, the sound, I don't know how the sound quality is going to be, but it was essentially the, it's essentially the audio of the Facebook live video that we created moments after coming out of the theater to see, uh, after seeing the Dark Tower for the first time. So this is our immediate moments later reaction to the movie. And you'll hear that we are pretty, uh, lukewarm on it uh which you'll you'll see you'll you'll see how it progresses throughout this throughout this episode but here is mine and tiny's initial reaction to nikolai ourselves the dark tower this was recorded on august uh, 4th at around 9 30 p.m so enjoy Okay, hey guys, we're, I'm not sure if I'm covering the mic, hey guys, we are uh, Matt and Tiny, this is Matt, that's Tiny, he's waving, <laughs> uh, okay, so we just got out of the movies, uh, we just saw The Dark Tower, uh, which if you guys are aware, we are very big fans of it, yes. like, yeah, it says that, I, mine says that, <laughs> and uh, yeah, anyway, so we're outside sitting here, and we're looking really awkward. And I'm looking over there. But anyway, uh, we just got out of the Dark Tower, Tiny. What did. did you think of the movie? It was really, really, really okay. It it was. <laughs> yeah, that's the best best I can say about it. Um, yeah. We've been talking so much about how there will have to be two reactions to it as, mm-hmm. as fans of the books and just objectively obsessive viewers. Right. Um, and those opinions will be really different. Mm-hmm. But it, it, was, it was okay. It it was okay. It was 
You know, a lot of the backlash and everything before the movie and everything was that it was, at least from book fans, was that it was going to be a very big departure from the books, Mm -hmm. which it was. And I think... It's not a great movie. Yeah. It's really not a great movie. Um, It is a little jumbled. There is a lot... There is a, a bit of a... It's a bit of a mess, narratively speaking. I kind of wish that it would have been the two-and-a-half-hour runtime thing. Yeah. So I I uh, definitely think that it's it's uh, the criticism of the 95-minute runtime was warranted. Yeah. Um, but I, I think my biggest thing with it, or my biggest, I guess, not necessarily critique or, or problem with it, per se, is that it's... It was it was much more of a departure from the books than what I was expecting. Yeah. Um, Roland, I, I I feel like the the heart of the actual novels of the actual book series is in the quest, is in the actual quest for the Dark Tower. And I knew going into this movie that Roland, throughout the like at the start of this movie, was not in pursuit of the tower. He was not traveling to the tower to to get to the tower. Um, he was going after the man in black and the man in black was his goal. And I knew that going in, I didn't realize that it was going to just be that. I think that's my biggest, uh, issue with, with what we got. Um, I still love that they made it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It is a dark tower movie. I, I, the mythology and everything there is there is plenty of stuff there they were at a uh, I believe that they didn't reference it reference it as such but it was a Manny village um, and everything um, uh, it was a it was a Manny village and they had the, they had the tahin they had the Dixie pig they had a bunch of stuff from the novels in in the movie I just I kind of I kind of wish it was a little bit better made or better put together in terms of story wise story absolutely um, um, yeah and I think I think they I think Idris Elba and Tom Taylor had great chemistry they did I think they both did great Tom Taylor was really good I, mm-hmm. I criticize kids all the time but I uh, um, I think he did I think he did a good job mm-hmm. um, and Matthew McConaughey was a little over the top which he's an expert in uh, yeah I felt like an old Matthew McConaughey pre pre reconnaissance uh, performance yeah but I think a lot of that was in the writing um I think so, too. He didn't have a ton to work with, so... Yeah, and I think the kind of big misstep that they did with, with the character of Walter, the man in black, is that they made him... Like, he is a sorcerer in the movie, and that's that's in keeping with the, with the novels and everything, but I think the issue that I had with it was that he was too... He was too all-powerful. Like, he was... Yeah. Like, he kind of had a um, David Tennant in Jessica Jones kind of feel, where mm-hmm. he would just basically say something, and then they would do that. And that made for... A very we should get a little closer together. Not that I'm trying to, you know, do anything. Uh, anyway, <laughs> this is stupid. Anyway, um, he was just a little too. Um, I don't want to say bland, but he was a little too just casual with it. Like uh, he would basically his his weapon was just his sorcery, where he would just say something, and then that would happen, and people would, you know, uh, succumb to terrible terrible things yeah it was just very casual and i i didn't i didn't i didn't really like that and i didn't like it either yeah and he was super chatty i mean he yeah was just, he was, he just didn't shut up yeah it, it just seemed out of out of tune with the very dark and brooding and mm-hmm. very to a certain extent maniacal man in black that we've gotten in 
several different Stephen King novels, not just yeah. Dark Tower. But it, so it was out of tune with every iteration of The Man in Black that I that I can think of. It it was, and also it was just oh, there was too much of him. Yeah. Like there was just way too much of him. I feel like he is a character that should be relegated to just brief appearances here. That's what mm-hmm. I kind of thought they were going to go with casting Matthew McConaughey in it because. I mean, he's he's a big name. I kind of right. figured that he would just be kind of brief in it, um, and be in keeping with the with the novels and everything. Yeah. And uh, I had another thing that I can't remember what it was. Um, I, oh, I oh, thought God. Nikolai Arcel was really vanilla. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't. I didn't really. Nothing. Of his, none of his work really stood out to me mm-hmm. in, in the movie. I think you know the CGI was was pretty solid, and I, yeah. I appreciated it. But uh, I I didn't feel. I don't know. It it didn't. Nothing jumped out to me. You know, mm-hmm. I, I would have preferred. Yeah. It it just it, it didn't feel unique. Some of the some of the gunplay was kind of cool, but it was it was yeah. a little too brief. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, was, yeah, the action was solid. Yeah, yeah the good. the battle at the Dixie Pig was was pretty outstanding. Yeah, I thought that was good. Um, was. and also like you said, like I liked the chemistry between um, Tom Taylor and Idris Elba and everything, but I feel like the 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 script wasn't really there for them. Yeah. Like there was some pretty good like things back and forth, but a lot of it was just mythology and exposition dump mm-hmm. um, which I'm, I'm never a huge fan of and it's yeah. a lot of mythology to go through but I kind of wish that it would have been uh, better just handled like they would have had some like instead of having characters literally telling us like this this is the tower this is the ever like like explaining it to us I kind of wish it could have been a lot better if it was just you know streamlined and, and more something that we learned as we go but yeah. it seemed a lot of it was kind of plot he- like uh, uh, a lot of the dialogue was exposition, uh, like necessary exposition to further the plot. Yeah, and that was kind of a problem for me. And then um, also, what I was kind of hoping for was that um, since they were since they were slash are basically taking the taking the books and not consen- condensing them down, but pulling resources from different books and everything um, into a single movie or two with thought of expanding it and everything. Um, I was really hoping we would get more, like, Crimson King stuff. Like, I was hoping that the Man in Black would be, like, the an agent of the Crimson King and the Crimson King would be, like, kind of referenced or, or like, explained in some way, but we just got the, um, the Eye of the Crimson King and then one... Uh, set dressing where it says "All Hail the Crimson King," yeah. I kind of felt like that was a little bit of a missed opportunity because in the books, Crimson King doesn't become a figure in the books until later in the series. See, that's, and that's what I, I actually liked that. I, I think, oh yeah, I because I, like you said, he doesn't become right. a major player until later in the in the books, and he's only subtly referenced. And I picked up on mm-hmm. two or three references throughout the movie to the Crimson yeah. King, and so I think that's how it should be in the first movie. Sure. Um, of course, sure. there's a chance this could be the only movie, right? Which is not good, but uh, yeah, yeah, um, but. I, I don't think they were hedging their bets. I don't mm-hmm. think I don't think they were keeping the Crimson King behind the curtain right. just because they think this is going to be the only movie. I think they were doing it because mm-hmm. I think it makes sense this early on in the story. Or yeah, so th- I think I think in that regard, I think it was mixed messages as far as how what they want to do with the franchise because mm-hmm. some of the movie was very finite. Some of it was like hinting at a larger world, and they mm-hmm. want to take it further. I think yeah. it was kind of mixed messages in that in that regard, and I did not care for that at all. Yeah, they, they that was a mess. Yeah, they tried to make it a standalone, and 
while hinting at a larger thing, and it seems honestly like they got the they got their standalone plot finished and everything and done, and then they kind of just tapped something into the end, like oh hey, there's there might be more. Yeah, um, and that felt just really sloppy. And I I have to say, <laughs> I had two two wishes for the movie, like. One was one that I was like, if, like if this is in the movie, I'm happy with it, and that's they can do whatever they want. I've referenced it before. Mm-hmm. Should I say what it is? Uh, nah, I don't know either. Anyway, it's <laughs> there was one thing that I wanted them to do at the beginning of the movie, and they didn't do it, and that was like the biggest like problem I had with it. Honestly, was that it's it's the first in the proposed series of Dark Tower movies, and they didn't start it the way that the only way that an adaptation can start really for this property and that was that was very bothersome to me that and then I really was holding on holding on hope that we would get something at the end that would hint at um, events of the of the second book essentially but we didn't get that it kind of felt it kind of felt like the movie just ended. It kind of felt yeah, like super abrupt. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the beginning and the end were the worst parts of the movie. Kind of. Yeah, um, yeah. Is, honestly, uh, some people would say that's kind of how the book series is. I mean, yeah, that's you know, true. The first book is a bit is a bit tough, and then the, mm-hmm. a lot of people weren't happy with any of the books. So, right. Uh, not me, but you know, I it kind of so that's a bit of a pattern, I guess. Or. Yeah. Kind of, uh, some would say that's kind of fitting for the Dark Tower franchise. For yeah, the movie to be like that. Uh, yeah. But I, they they completely dropped the ball with the ending. As far as they I'm they really I mean, did. It, everything yeah. everything that was I think everything that was reshoots stuck out like a sore thumb. Yeah. To me, anyways, I mean, I, a thought, little I bit. thought they were very obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the movie had a lot of uh, there was a lot of it, it felt like a compilation of scenes as opposed to a pattern or like a linear a linear feel. It was just yes. it was just like they threw some scenes together and. That's an editing issue. That's mm-hmm. a time issue. That's that's the director. That's everybody's. Yeah, everybody's fault, really. And honestly, the movie felt more like it was a ninety-five minute proof of concept. Yeah, that they were that they like this is their idea of how they should how they can make the Dark Tower, and that's that's how it felt, and that pains me to no end to say. Yeah, it was like an outline. <laughs> yeah, it it was really really uh, really problematic for me. That should was made it a TV show. They really should have. Yeah, should picked yeah. it up. So where do you think, and we'll talk more about this on the podcast and everything, because I, I, for one, am just, like, starving. But, um, <laughs> but uh, where do you think it should go from here? Do you think they should continue this? Should they scrap it and restart it down the road? Uh, I, I would say continue it, because mm-hmm. any momentum that they could gain from this, mm-hmm. I think will go out the window if they try to reboot it. Yeah. Um, even if it's 10, 15 years from now. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, but... Uh, I, I think work with what you have and, and mm-hmm. give a bigger budget, bring in someone, yeah. a super talented director mm-hmm. uh, to do the second one and take your freaking time and, yeah. and don't, yeah. don't worry about all the, 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 the marketing and mm-hmm. uh, people refer to the concept that there were too many cooks in the kitchen, uh, which I brought up on, bring up on the podcast. Yeah. Um, uh, that, that was blatant. I mean, yeah, that, that, there yeah. was no. That was absolutely correct. There were too many cooks it, in the kitchen. There really, there really, really was way and too many irons in the fire. Yeah. It, it was oh yeah. Not every other analogy for that. Mm-hmm. Um, right. It, it was. That was blatant, and yeah, I, I think in a sequel that will be inexcusable. Oh, absolutely. If they, if they get oh, yeah. that far. And like Nikolai Arcel, he has said that 
like hit like if it's successful, the second movie will be the drawing of the three. Like, and it will okay. be it will, it will be the drawing of the three as it should be. Uh, exactly. Which I don't. It makes me just wish that this followed the Gunslinger more. Yeah. Like I wish that it was more in keeping with the Gunslinger. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, this is this is gonna hurt. But it is like a kind of a it's it's the Dark Tower version of a kind of cheesy summer B blockbuster yeah a little bit yeah very much and that's oh, that's not what I want to see out of this franchise yeah it's it's better than that yeah um should the we get some- there were a lot of easter eggs too by the way there were there were some good easter I, eggs I like the easter eggs yeah was, I did good. I did too I did too I didn't I, <laughs> this is going a little bit too deep and first of all there was a nice easter egg just right at the beginning when they did the title uh, t- the title cards and everything yeah. that was really cool I, I, I really got a kick out of that uh-huh. And then, like, and we'll talk more about this on the podcast, but there was, like, the first scene, essentially the, the scene with what I assume was the Thinny um, in the forest. Okay. Yeah, which I thought was not exactly how it was described in the books, but yeah. that's fine. Because um, it kind of seemed to just appear and then disappear. It was like, I've always thought of the, the Thinny as, like, a kind of black hole. Right. And, like, kind of a... He shot it. Yeah, he shot it. Why yeah. would he shoot it? That, yeah. That doesn't make any sense. But, like, that felt like a really awkward... Um, like, that felt like a really awkward um, action set piece because it was like Roland is just kind of uh, taken out a little too easily and then it's like... It's it's just kind of an awkward thing. And we'll talk more about it on the, on the podcast. But anyway, yeah. Should we say anything else? Yeah. No. Go so, see it. S- still go <laughs> see, see it. it. Please go see it so we get more <laughs> and we get something done right. Please. Yes. Please. Because we need this. Um, it, it really was okay. I mean, it we, was. It was. We, we tr- trashed it kind of. But. It, yeah. But that's because we're, you know, we're giant fans of it. Yeah, we're hardcore fans. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's mostly what I think a lot of what we were critiquing. But it, it, right. it was it was a decent movie. It was. It was. A, it was it's worth your. Uh, matinee or no it's worth your totally you know expensive it's not a, money. it's not a waste of 10 it's, or 12 bucks it's really not yeah. when you have like the emoji movie and transformers and shit like that yeah. it's really not a waste of your of your money there mm-hmm. so yeah uh, still go see it um we will be having a group screening um tomorrow at Castleton at 5:15 with me and Tony Tiny's not going to make it Tony Troxel from uh, geeking in Indiana uh, we got that put together i mean Tons of seats are still available, guys. <laughs> it's a 5.15 Dolby uh, screening at uh, Castleton. So anyway, um, yeah, we'll talk more about it on the podcast. Me and Tanner are going to go eat. Uh, long days and pleasant nights. And uh, yeah, at the very least, if you don't see the movie, read the books. Yes. Yes. Do that. Oh, yes. Those are amazing. They are incredible. <laughs> yes. All right. All right. See you guys later. Say thank you. Yep. <laughs> okay. And we're back. Um, hope you guys enjoyed that little section of audio with mine and tiny's um, immediate reaction to the dark tower. Uh, next we're going to go into our non-spoiler review with Tony Troxel. Uh, this was recorded a couple days later. Um, this is a full fledged um, review. Uh, it's a non-spoiler for this section um, for the, for the most part. Um, but it's not anything too heavily. Uh, some background on Tony. He's a great guy. We've become friends since we started podcasting. Uh, Tiny and I have become friends with him since we started podcasting um, with the Obsessive Viewer. He's become a great friend and great resource to us to, to 
promote our things in Indiana. Again, if you're in Indiana, check out his blog at geekinginindiana.com and also check out the Indiana Geeking Podcast, uh, which is a great uh, podcast that he hosts. And also follow him on Twitter at Indiana Geeking. Finally, let's talk about The Dark Tower. Yes. Uh, starring Tom Taylor, Idris Elba, Matthew McConaughey, who, if you would have told me three, like two years ago, even go back as far as five, six years ago, if you had said, hey, there's going to be a Dark Tower movie with Idris Elba from, that you know from The Wire. Um, let's, let's bump this up to when True Detective was on. Uh, there's going to be Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey as Roland Deschain and Walter O'Dim in a movie about the dark tower you i would not have like i would have thought that you were an insane if you would have told me and the worst perform the worst performance in that movie for you is going to be matthew mcconaughey and <laughs> probably the first one is going to be a very close tie between idris elba and the kid that they have that you haven't seen in anything um so yeah so let's go around and talk about our just just our broad idea of uh, or our broad idea of how the movie was to us and everything tony since you are get you're our guest you are our guest your guest is us <laughs> <laughs> and you are i would think going to be probably more positive than than us i'm well, I don't spoilers, know how we spent about 45 minutes after the film talking about it on we Saturday. Mm. And, you know, being a, a piss-poor podcaster, <laughs> I had a recorder in my pocket and I didn't pull it out. <laughs> um, yeah. Very nice. But in all seriousness, going into it completely blind, it was your average, run-of-the-mill, late-summer, low-budget action film. Mm -hmm. which based on what you guys have said and what other friends that are into the book series have said, that is probably the greatest crime of them all. Mm -hmm. The fact that it is that, and it's, it's semi enjoyable. It's like, for me, it's like last action hero or something like that. It's mm -hmm. a beer and pretzel film. It's a popcorn film. It shouldn't have been mm -hmm. right. But because I didn't have that connection, I didn't have that seething rage building up. <laughs> <laughs> Right. About it. But yeah, for me, and I think that's even I said that uh, in a conversation that you were privy to on Twitter. Mm -hmm. I think the worst thing about the film is going to be if I come out of it and like it and everybody else that's actually a fan of the series hates it. Mm -hmm. It's like you're that person going into the Phantom Menace that has no familiarity with Star Wars whatsoever. Mm -hmm. come at, you come out of it and go, that's, that was, that was a lot of fun. That was pretty good. And everyone mm -hmm. else around you is going, midichlorians. <laughs> So it's it's kind of like that. Yeah. But I mean it's I'm not going to be rushing out to get it on Blu-ray. Yeah. I'm not I okay, I lie. I was actually if they had another showing between when I got off work mm -hmm. and this evening I was going to go watch it again just like I did with Rogue One so I have it a little mm -hmm. bit more fresh in my memory. Mm -hmm. But it's not something I'm really going to go out and say no Liz, you've got to go see this with me. Come on, let's go. Yeah. So Yeah. Yeah, it was it was it was average. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. And uh Tiny, you and I you and I talked about the movie immediately after it. Uh -huh. Um we did a Facebook live video. That was our immediate reaction. Mm -hmm. And then uh you and I got dinner and we kind of talked it out some more. And then the next and then on in the pod chat with with Mike, who I might see if he wants to do a pine tree po perfume for this cuz he saw it too. Um we talked it out some more and then the next day you said <laughs> you've you've your feelings had changed 
for the worse for it. So how do you feel now that you've, you've had like a, a, a few more days to kind of separate yourself from it? And how has it festered with you? And, and what do you think? How is it festered like that cat turd in the litter box? Yeah. <laughs> right. Like it's, it's festered like a cat turd. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a roller coaster because if you look at that YouTube, uh, or I'm sorry, that Facebook live video, um, mm-hmm. I was, I, I think I was like trying to save face or just, I didn't want to like jump to any conclusions. That's my issue with like immediate reactions. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, it was pretty okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then within 24 hours, I think even that starting that night mm-hmm. while we were having pizza after, yeah. afterwards, I started like shifting towards this thing was just like a unmitigated disaster. Yeah. Um, and then sleeping on it and thinking about it, I was like, Okay, it was it was just it was just a bad movie. I think it was just a bad pretty a pretty bad movie. Um disaster is too strong of a word. Okay is too kind. Um I, I tragedy? Tragedy. Yeah, very tra- tragic yeah. if you if you're us. It's mm-hmm. it's a tragedy. It is. Um you can ask my you can ask Paige. I was I was a little depressed on Saturday. Yeah. Like I was not I wasn't in the best mood. We had to go out and like you know, play with the dog and have some mm-hmm. fun and I started to cheer up. Like I was mm-hmm. I was not I was not happy. Mm-hmm. Um it's uh, it, the the movie was really just a jumbled mess. I wasn't, mm-hmm. I was, and this is not coming from a place of being upset about the creative liberties, right? Because that's that's one of the things I didn't have really much of an issue with was the creative liberties they took. Mm-hmm. I really, I really didn't mind them that much. Um, it's it's a combination of other things that just really took the Dark Tower books, put them in a blender threw in a little couple of festered cat turds and mm-hmm. poured out half of a tiny glass. Yeah. Um, that's, God, that's, that's what a, it felt like. That's ex- Yeah. That's yeah. my feelings. Exactly. Um, it it uh. was in terms of an adaptation, it was an unmitigated disaster, right? But just as a movie, it, it was, it was just kind of a bad movie. Mm-hmm. Um, there were parts where, um, about midway through the movie, I was actually kind of, getting into the story a little bit like mm-hmm. i think i missed an easter egg or two because i was just kind of falling into mm-hmm. the story and just following it a little bit but it was the beginning that just pissed me off mm-hmm. from the beginning and then the ending i was just like i i am so mad right now yeah um but the middle part w- was 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 okay it was okay mm-hmm. you know but again combining all together not very good yep and uh okay so my <laughs> okay i'll <clears throat> okay so this is maybe the most excited I've had or the most excited I've been to record an episode of the podcast only because I want to get all of this out and just, it's like, it feels like it's just been like, there's a tightness in my chest. That's like, like I just need to explode with, with my feelings about this movie. And, uh, it's not, it's not a good movie. It's as a movie, it's not good as an adaptation. It's, I don't I don't want to say abhorrent but it's like it is a slap in the face to the series in what I I hate several things about it like I just I just do and one of the things I hate about it is that or I I don't know if this is fair to say but it's like I hate the feeling that I had after the movie because while I thought that Idris Elba was was really good even though they gave him fuck all to work with, like yeah. he had hardly anything to work with. Uh, he was a great Roland. And I think that if there was an adaptation that was true, like, like actually taken, taken care, like for like cared for, um, and given a proper adaptation and proper treatment, not even adaptation, just a proper jump to the film and television medium with Idris Elba in it. I 
think that could work like gangbusters. That could be amazing. I hate that for the last year and a half, whenever they announced Idris Elba, I have been actively just aggressively hating anytime someone says, oh, that's not my Dark Tower because there's a black guy playing Roland. Yeah. Because that's just purely racism. That's just, it's, it does not matter what race Roland Deschain is. If the actor is a, is a talented actor, he's going to like, he's going to great do great in the role. I hate that that argument or not that argument, but that statement that this is not my dark tower is what I am saying now because they failed so hard at making a dark tower movie. Mm -hmm. Like this is not, this is not a, this is not reflective of the book series that I love. And I've spent the last nearly decade um, loving and, and mulling over in my mind. It's like the, probably the best description that I read was from an uh, Instagram post that was from, and I will credit whoever said it. Uh, let's see. Oh, actually, it was a screenshot of a Facebook post. But anyway, the the Instagram, um, uh, the Instagram account is at hubris underscore and underscore hi, uh, hyperbole, but hyperbole is H Y B E R B O L E. Um, this is from Heather, some, someone named Heather on Facebook, who I think is the person from that uh, from that Instagram account. Uh, the description is, my take on the Dark Tower movie. Once upon a time, there was a prolific and very talented author who wrote an eight-book series that was loved by many. A less talented but well-meaning writer in training made a neat little abridged Cliff Notes version of those eight books. This, in turn, was read by another man who didn't have time to read eight long books. He told the, his he told his sis, uh, he told his sister about the book he read, and she told her hairstylist, who related it to her cousin's best friend. The best friend happened to be in the movie business. He decided to make a movie based on this story. He remembered Roland Deschain, the gunslinger. He remembered Jake Chambers, the boy from Earth. He remembered the man in black who fled across the desert, and yes, the dark tower, the tower at the center of all which must stand or fall. He forgot the rest. Um, and yeah, that is, that is, that is closely tied to what my thought was in the movie about the movie, because I went into the movie with one, one thing that I, that I stated very, like I stated it vehemently in the weeks and months prior to it. Ever since, ever since I read the dark tower, I had one image in mind for the beginning of the movie. Um, any adaptation has to begin with the iconic, the iconic line from the series that opens the book series, the man in black fled across the desert and the gunslinger followed. Like that is a complete requirement for any adaptation. And they couldn't even get that right. There was an article where Stephen King said that he had fought for them to include the line and the fucking line shows up 20 minutes into the movie. It's a voiceover and it's to it's against a black screen that is at the end of a dream sequence. It's like it's shits on the the gunslinger book. And I had such high expectations because I assumed that they were at least going to like I thought that the plan was that they were going to take the gunslinger book, throw in stuff from later books to to fill out the mythology, make it more action heavy for mass audiences and have a complete story planned out that's not what this movie was and i won't get into the book series and everything because i do want to remain as objective as possible 
as a as a fan of movies in general, but this movie was a complete mess, a complete narrative mess. There's a scene where Roland and Jake are uh, by a campfire, and they see a they see the the beam from from uh, they don't they don't call it by name because fuck putting anything of anything from the books in the movie, but from the Devar uh, Devar toy or, or Al Gul Siento, uh, they see a beam fly up from it and and go toward the tower um and then and then the next scene roland's like okay well there's a tribe over there across this thing we can go there and so that they can they have a seer that can read your vision so they can show where we go go in the direction of the fucking beam that you just fucking saw like it's literally a flare going it's a flare that you're like you see exactly where it's coming from go there and then (laughs) Not only that, but like to go back to the book fan thing of it, and I will. I'm I'm just gonna get just kind of word vomit, and then you guys can join in in a bit. But um, even then, like to to kind of showcase how how much disrespect and how little faith they had in the source material um, for this movie. Like there's like when that happens, um, Jake is kind of rattled, obviously, because it's like an earthquake. And then Roland says to him, uh, it's a beam quake, uh, stay calm. Beam quakes are very uh, are a very big part of the book series. They are they have a very specific meaning in that series. Not at one, not at one point did they reference the the tower having beams. The beam quake that we see on screen isn't a fucking beam quake because they're not taking down the tower the way that they do in the books mm-hmm. or they attempt to in the books. And Third, thirdly, th- he doesn't even explain what it was. Like the the beam quake line is them giving book readers an Easter egg for the mythology of the book, like in the mythology of the series, which is such a shitty thing to do because this book series is is so vast and dense with with mythology and it's maybe not as as hardcore as like the game of thrones and song of ice and fire thing like stephen king famously he just kind of writes as it goes and he kind of he kind of comes up with ideas later so like it's not as fully planned out and everything but this adaptation was a chance to make that more fleshed out and more 100% like rounded and everything but instead we get a young adult uh action popcorn flick that has like little references here and there that don't even feel like references they feel like they're just not meant to be in this in the it, they make they make it feel like someone made a movie made a cheap fucking uh action movie and then threw in dark tower references because they're a fan of the dark tower and they want to make little easter eggs to their favorite book series that has nothing to do with this fucking movie and it's just it's so irritating. And go ahead, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you remember, we we had this discussion we did. afterwards. And the for the unwashed masses, mm-hmm. such as myself, there was a beam, there was a quake, mm-hmm. it was a beam quake. Right. And that's for true. For the unwashed masses. A mm-hmm. big beam went across the sky, mm-hmm. then there was an earthquake. It was a beam quake, and and that's fair, and that and is I know totally that's fair. Not what it was, right? But that's what it was to someone like me, right? And and that's fair, and that and it does work for for the casual audience who don't who don't know the books, but something about it just bothers me because it's it's not it's not leaning into the mythology or anything. Mm-hmm. It's just using a word from the mythology to describe a thing that's similar to the thing in the books. 
but different because they wanted to just make a, a more accessible action movie. It's you kind of patronizing. Using, it is. It's kind of patronizing to fans like us. Yeah. Oh, I, absolutely. I, I had a similar reaction to it, yeah. Yeah. Not You're, quite as passionate as yours right oh <laughs> i've got so like, much more i was like oh, that's dumb <laughs> yeah well like, you're over there going you keep using that word i do not believe it means what you think it means <laughs> right? yeah but i think my main thing and and i'm like that was probably a, a section to talk about later in the review than anything but like my main my main problem with this movie um even above the really, really kind of shitty and sh- uh, thrown together dialogue and and lack of motivation for other characters. Well, I mean, this was the biggest problem I had. The biggest problem I had was that the Dark Tower series, from literally the first line of the book series, through four thousand plus pages, several uh, comic book series, um, and and the the numerous. Um, uh, compendiums and and companion books that have been written by like um, uh, Robin Firth from uh, Stephen King's personal assistant and Bev Vincent and and people who have analyzed the Dark Tower and everything the heart and soul of this book series is that Roland Deschane is the last gu- gunslinger from the line of Eld he has for his obsession his ka is that he is possessed with reaching the tower to preserve his dying world. Like, that is his quest. That is exact, That is what he's meant to do. Possessed to the point where he does some despicable things. Yes. Not only he does, does he do despicable things, but, like, it's just... It's, it's part of what makes him arguably Stephen King's most complex and most nuanced and most fascinating character and most tragic character is that he is a tower junkie and there was not a fucking shred of that in the movie yeah remote like they they instead made this movie a fucking revenge movie where he's going after uh, the man in black to kill him and it has like he does he doesn't even say like he even says at one fucking point he says i'm not a gunslinger anymore like what the fuck go ahead yeah <laughs> so once again you're you're saying roland was like you killed my father prepared to die. <laughs> exactly yeah oh my god exactly. it's the princess bride it is it is yeah and it's and like the the way that I equate this, and the way that I the way that I describe this for for people who haven't read the book series and who maybe don't want to read the book series now, which I was listening to the nerds are looking for our friends over in the nerds are looking for Pat and Tyler, check them out at thenerdspodcast.com. Um, they did a review of the Dark Tower, and Tyler said like in the, <laughs> they they gave us shout outs and stuff because they know that we're huge fans of the Dark Tower. And so Tyler actually said, like, the thing that I'm mortified of anyone saying after seeing the movie, he said that the movie was so bad that it makes me not want to read the books at all. And, like, that makes me just, like, that makes me really sad because this movie was not indicative of what the books are like or what the journey is like. And for people who are uninitiated with, with the book series and have only the movie to go off of, imagine if... Imagine if, okay, imagine if the Lord of the Rings movies, imagine if instead of making the, instead of introducing the first movie as Frodo, uh, is given the, given the one ring to go to Mordor to, uh, to, uh, to destroy it in Mount Doom and save all of all of Middle Earth and everything. Imagine if instead of that, the first movie is just this bland, 
um, revenge movie where uh, Frodo is going after someone at Mount Doom at going after Sauron because Sauron killed his killed uh, a relative of his. Like, imagine if that was the main quest of of Lord of the Rings instead of the quest for to to destroy the One Ring of power. Like imagine that and imagine how much of a disservice that would have been to Tolkien and to the source material and everything. And on the flip side, imagine if, um, imagine if, uh, uh, Harry Potter, the Harry Potter movies was just about this guy who, or this kid that, uh, goes into this, uh, um, goes to this, uh, magic school, uh, for witches and wizards and there's nothing special about him. It's, you know, he's just kind of a one dimensional kid. Uh, doesn't, doesn't speak to snakes or anything. Doesn't have the, any of the, uh, history or anything. He's just, maybe he just wants to kill his professor because his professor killed his parents. Like that's the only reason that's the only motivation for that character. Imagine that and how much of a disservice that would be to the Harry Potter series. Yeah. Voldemort's just like kind of a dickhead professor at, <laughs> exactly. at, at, at Hogwarts and he gets him fired. Yeah, exactly. That's that. Yeah. That'd and be... he has the force, but, um, <laughs> um, no, but like, imagine that. And then, and then like, <laughs> like imagine that. And then look at this as the worst case scenario. Cause this is what happened with the dark tower. And it's, it's such a travesty. Like, like you said, Tony, it's, it is tragic. It is actually like tragic for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's the, uh, uh, it's, it's terrible. But, um, yeah, that was my, that was my biggest grievance with it. That and the fact that they didn't open the movie the way that any adaptation would. And, um, and I'm sorry if I'm rambling and everything, but I just need to get this all out. Also, Akiva Goldsman, I blame him for it. Uh, he wrote several movies that are just absolutely terrible. Batman and Robin being one of them. Um, he is notorious for writing just shitty, shitty movies. He was attached to the movie when Ron Howard was attached to direct. He wrote a draft back in, I think 2014 that ain't it cool news. Uh, Eric Vespi over there, uh, as Quint, uh, he wrote a, he wrote a, basically a description of the, of the script of that draft of the script from 2014. This is, he wrote this last year. So I went back and I read that article Almost everything, like it seemed, like it was said that when Nikolai Arcel joined the joined the project and he was brought on as director, that he reworked the reworked the script and rewrote it. It seems like it is exactly what we got from Akiva Goldsman's script in 2016, and that's just that's unacceptable. It's terrible. Uh, but anyway, I'm getting more into my personal feelings and stuff. Let's review the fucking movie. Yeah. <laughs> um. So Jake Chambers, what did you guys think of Jake and Tom Taylor? Damn. <laughs> um, I mean, well, especially considering you were one of the, he was one of the high points of the film he, for and you. he was and yeah, and he was and I did I really liked his portrayal of Jake and I think that that's the one character that actually had at least a a a, a modicum of of nuance to him in that like there's that scene where he is he's he's the story for him and I didn't mind them changing the story around for him but he has these visions of midworld and he's he's just obsessively drawing these visions and he's consumed by them um so he's at school and this bully kid uh takes his notebook and and is messing with him and stuff and then Jake Chambers just knocks his ass down <laughs> and I'm like that's that's really good that's really great like it shows that he's a strong he's he's a precocious kid he's very like he's not he's not taking shit from anyone he's not this little like pipsqueak kid that's going to have this really bland and cliched 
um, uh, uh, comeuppance and everything, and or this uh, this coming of age in the movie. It's like he's already a v- really strong willed kid, and that's I mean that's fairly true to the Jake Chambers that's in the books. Um, so I enjoyed that, but the Man in Black had nothing. Like there was nothing, nothing to that character, and then Roland again, the most complex character in uh, arguably the most complex character in all of Stephen King's uh, multiverse is a sidekick in this kid's journey through middle or or middle earth midworld and uh and it's just terrible but you i've talked a lot you guys talk now so tiny what did you think about jake (laughs) yeah Yeah. um you know i I think he was a bright spot as well Mm -hmm. um i i was dare i say impressed with with uh Mm -hmm. tom taylor would would you would you say that you that he was a shining point in the (laughs) in the movie i would um i I can still do this i I I read some some reviews and people were shitty about that about the shining yeah the the shine used so many times Mm -hmm. um i really didn't give a damn because in the books it's called the touch right so it's, it's got a different name but it's it's the shine. Like, it's the same thing. Yeah. Um, it's just called a different thing mm-hmm. on Earth than Man. it is it's in Midworld. The touch. Yeah. It's the, he, yeah, he refers to it as the touch. Yeah. You got the touch! <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Boogie Nights. But like, <laughs> is that where you're... It was a Boogie Nights. Uh, Transformers. Oh. Oh, Transformers. All right. Stan Bush. <laughs> sure. You're the Transformers. I keep forgetting the Dark. age I'm working with here. Oh, yeah. I keep forgetting... You were you referencing Transformers animated. You okay, mean, the 80s, you mean yeah, Dark of was... the Moon? <laughs> Age of Extinction? So anyway, <laughs> you were impressed with Tom Taylor. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I thought I thought he was good. I mean, I talk about mm-hmm. shitty kid actors all the time. Yeah. He he's not a shitty kid actor. I think he did right. I think he did a pretty good job. Um, he had very little to work with. The dialogue mm-hmm. was atrocious in this fucking movie. Just mm-hmm. horrible. Absolutely. Um, and, and he had some of the worst lines, without question. Mm-hmm. Um, but he made it work. I, I could see his passion. In the book, Jake is driven by visions as well. And, like, to a certain... He's he's driven in the in books. Book three, yeah. And he's he's driven in the movie, too. And, like, mm-hmm. I, I appreciated that. That was true to the character. Yeah. And I think he did a good job with that. He was the only fucking passionate character in the whole goddamn movie. <laughs> right. Um, so I appreciated Tom Taylor, and I think he did a good job. I mm-hmm. I think with what he was given. Um, Idris Elba had probably even less to work with. His passion was not there whatsoever. He's literally just nope. a bitter old. It's a bitter old revenge story, like Matt said. And yeah. it's not. That's not. That's not interesting. It's not interesting like Roland is supposed to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but Idris Elba made something work in his performance. I don't know how he pulled it off. Um, and he should have. He's supposed to be the main character, but he's mm-hmm. just this. He just kind of shows up. 20 minutes into the movie. Yeah, it's just terrible. Wow. I, I don't know what the hell they were thinking. Um, so I, kudos to Idris Elba. Um, Matthew McConaughey had nothing to work. He had a lot to work with, but he had, it was like trying to sculpt uh, David, the statue of David out <laughs> of a junkyard. Like that's what he was yeah. trying to do in his performance. And he failed. Not to his avail, not to his right. discredit. They didn't give um, him anything. Nothing at all to work yeah. with. I feel like, I feel like this little magics that he used throughout the movie, mm-hmm. um, which I, was anyone else irked by the pluralization of magic? Yeah, he, is that? I honestly didn't notice. Really, he I said, noticed it too. I wasn't irked by it, but I don't. I didn't know if I didn't. I mean, I. I, mean, I just feel it's like not it's like stu- that in the comics I, yeah. or in the books. I feel like it just either. stuck out like a sore thumb. It just well, he was he was it using did. more than one magic. That's true. That's true. Whatever. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm not saying that to you. I'm saying that. I, I know. Bullshit. I know. Um, <laughs> he 
I feel like his magics where he's just like he just says something and it happens like Ugh. was super super lazy. I feel it like was. I feel like they started filming it and he would just kind of wave his hand and it would happen and then Nikolai Arcel was like, "Why don't you say it? Mm-hmm. Say like stop breathing and the person will stop breathing." Like yeah. I feel like it was thrown in and someone thought it worked. <laughs> And Matthew McConaughey was like, "Really? You want, you want me to just say it?" And, all right. Uh, <laughs> all right, all right, and it right. just it it just did not work, and it mm-hmm. seemed super hokey. It was really bad. Like I, it's almost like they're going for a Harry Potter thing, like Expecto Patronum or something. Mm-hmm. And it, man, did it just fail hard. Uh, so I, yeah, yeah. He, and, and he was he was the vehicle for exposition in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, which again, that's part of why his character failed and why his performance wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Because he has to carry that freaking burden, yeah. and it always ruins the character. Um, mm-hmm. That was one of the most uh, getting away from the performances. That was to me one of the most egregious parts of the movie. Is that I don't remember where I heard this, but a cardinal rule of filmmaking is you don't tell your audience what's happening. Mm-hmm. You don't you don't do it through dialogue. You show them, mm-hmm. show them, don't tell them, and you need to find a way to visually represent an idea or a backstory or something. I mean, dialogue's there to support that. Yeah, yeah. But you need to show people what's going on. Don't just have... It's so, so lazy. Mm. And it's it's it, it ruins the story when you yeah. just, when you just oh, rely yeah. on exposition and dialogue. So this movie was a majority of telling mm-hmm. and not showing. So much exposition, exposition dumping mm-hmm. and just not in tune with... Not in tune with the books at all, of course, no. but just not in tune with good filmmaking No, at yeah. the end of the day. That was one of the most egregious things to me. And it wasn't even telling us important things about the world or anything or about – it wasn't even like world building for the universe or anything. It was just telling – like Matthew McConaughey fucking telling a character like, oh, Roland is uh, – okay, first of all, <laughs> him saying Roland uh, can always resist my magics – no explanation of why the fuck that's yeah. the case. Not even really an explanation of what, like, what a gunslinger is, what they're what they're meant to do. There's a flat. There's one single flashback to a complete nondescript war that had like one soldier on the field and about seventeen fog machines and about seventeen fog machines. And then, um, yeah, and then like he actually says to another character like uh Roland can can resist my magic. So I just basically killed everyone that he's ever cared about. It's like that's that's the laziest thing. Like I, like when you were describing the the dialogue tiny and the exposition mm-hmm. dump and everything, I was like I cringed cuz I remembered that line. Yeah. And it's like, oh god. Also it, there's there's not really any other noteworthy performances cuz every other character was not worth a fuck right. in the movie like it, it, not that, not the actors. Not just again, not a discredit to the actors. Mm. The characters were not there. I right. Mean, Richard Sayre, who is a uh, integral character in the books, mm-hmm. and was played by freaking Jackie Earl Haley, yeah. who is a phenomenal actor. Mm-hmm. He's a terrifying man. Yep. Who is only referenced as Sayre, but then yeah, Matthew McConaughey like at one point says, "Hey, Dicky," and it's like. No, like, yeah. no reference to his name being Richard. It's yeah. just he's just saying that. Jackie but. Earl Haley and Richard Sayer, yeah. He he has like eight lines in the whole mm-hmm. movie, and he's barely on screen. Yeah, just complete waste of Jackie Earl mm-hmm. Haley. That was awful. And every other character plays mo- mom's yeah. dick boyfriend. That's, that's yeah, what he does. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. And Tiny, you had a great analysis of that guy's performance of of uh, of. Uh, Jake's stepfather. I don't remember what I said, but you you said uh, 
<laughs> like was he on mescaline the whole time? Yeah. <laughs> like he had the, like he had no energy. It was yeah. just like this he kind of he delivered every line kind of like he was constipated in that if like he moved if he like moved a single muscle like the shit was just going to come out of his ass. Yeah. Or like he was holding in shit. Like it was it was so bizarre. He's like if you um, don't, if you don't go with him right now, I'm going to drag you out there myself. Exactly. Like that literally was, that's, that was all the fervor of yeah. his performance. It's yeah, don't worry about it. How did you feel about the exposition dump and everything? And then after this, we'll just go right into spoilers because I have things that I want to say. Go ahead. And honestly, I had I have no comparison I can make. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, it was poorly written. They worked mm-hmm. the best they could with what they had. All three of them. Mm-hmm. I just think Tom had a little bit better going for him. Mm-hmm. Um, Idris Elba was, you know, he was nailing the grizzled, vengeful mm-hmm. person that Roland was written as. Mm-hmm. Just as we know, he could have, you know, nailed a better portrayal of Roland. Mm-hmm. But what with what he had to work with, he nailed it, and he did a really good job with it. Mm-hmm. McConaughey, I saw somebody mention, and I agree, he was just a little bit over the top in all of his mm-hmm. explanation. Mm-hmm. And like I said, the whole saying, like you were saying, the whole saying, you know, walking past the little girl on the park bench, hate. Yeah. And just stupid stuff like yeah. that. It's like, the hell, man? I, so uninspired. Stupid. Yeah, and I and I have no, I have no uh, way of corroborating this. I have no, like, this is just complete conjecture on my part. But the way that his that his magic and his sorcery is is depicted in the movie, it honestly feels like they had an idea of how to show it. Like, like he would wave his hands and like things would come out of his hands and, and like, like they would have some special effects there and stuff. Then they realized like, oh shit, this is a $60 million movie. We need to, we need to, you know, allocate the special effects money mm-hmm. to the portal. So we, let's we, just we got, ADR him We got to pull a little bit stuff. back out of uh, Idris Elba getting thrown into it against a pillar. Right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and, uh, exactly. Exactly. So, so let's, let's just make him ADR him to, like stuff. just start walking through New York going cat and trips. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah. See, I Which, told you I was reading the IMDb stuff. Nice. <laughs> Which to be fair, like, like it is, it is. I mean, the man in black is Randall Flagg from The Stand. Um, those two, the The Stand and the Dark Tower series are very intricately, or in, uh, they're very much intertwined in significant ways. And like he is, he is somewhat like that in in The Stand. Like he walks through. Like it's described in the book that he that he walks through an area and people like develop cancer and stuff because he is this evil sorcerer that just spreads just darkness and 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 pain and and death everywhere he goes. He didn't say like oh, hate, stop breathing, get cancer. Like he didn't say shit like that. Like it was just it was a powerful thing for him. And then uh, yeah, into uh, um. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, what did you guys think of the action and stuff? <laughs> um, <laughs> I felt like it was um, very it, it lacked uniqueness in any in any form. I feel like mm. uh, I I didn't I didn't uh, pick up on anything throughout the movie where I was like, oh that that's that seems like a very unique Nikolai Arcel thing or like you know that really it, it didn't even stand out like a Michael Bay movie or anything. Mm. Like it was it was so. So vanilla, such mm-hmm. such vanilla action. It wasn't bad. It was mm-hmm. it wasn't bad. It wasn't, you know. 
I didn't hate it. It's just that yeah. I, I wanted something unique. You know, there's there's descriptions in in the books of some of the action, and the gunslinger is supposed to be like this unparalleled talent of of an ability with a gun. You know, that's part of the philosophy of firearms. It's supposed to be an extension of your body, and he his guns are truly an extension of his body. He says it in his creed. Mm-hmm. I shoot with my mind, and I kill with my heart, and mm-hmm. it's it's you know it's takes that concept and turns it into like a supernatural creed really mm-hmm. it's 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 tied up in this it's just an incredible ability to wield a firearm mm-hmm. and there's some cool stuff in there i like i think yeah. the speed reloads and stuff that was cool that yeah. was cool but i did i didn't pick up on anything that really blew me away mm-hmm. um i see what you did there yeah really blew me away nice um yeah i it was okay, especially the the climactic mm-hmm. part was was especially noteworthy to me, and the whole the whole kind of uh, matrixy slow down time thing where he shoots yeah. the guy through it. That, that's cool. That was cool. Given away in the trailer because it's one yeah. of the only cool parts of the movie. You have pretty to much the every action sequence is given away yeah. in the trailer. Yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. much. So it's yeah. it's it's gonna be forgettable there's nobody who's gonna remember like hey remember that one part in right at our tower and, even uh, when we got dinner like i was like do you remember or i was going to tell you about like oh i thought this one part was funny and then it was literally like about 20 to 30 minutes after we saw the movie and i was like i can't remember the one part of the mo- movie where the comic relief actually yeah. was effective on me i ended up eventually remembering it but anyway yeah. what did you think of the action tony and you have a background with special effects and stuff so how did you feel well, about special effects remember i'm uh first off i'm practical effects not mm. so much uh digital i'm not a huge fan of digital but first off you know to go off of what tiny was saying it was like you said it's almost like you've seen it all before yeah the speed reloads were cool mm-hmm. but i mean the rest of the stuff i saw better gun work and i uh you remember Wanted with Angelina, Angelina Jolie? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. James McAvoy? Yep. Mm-hmm. Better gun work in that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Heck, I just, I was able to catch the first 20 minutes and I had to go do some audio editing. But Kings, uh, Kingsman, the Kingsman, Secret Service? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, my girlfriend's trying to get me to watch that and I'm not saying I'm against it. I just haven't had time. Mm-hmm. But she wants me to see it before the sequel comes out because sure. they want to go see it. Yeah. But, just a, the little bit I saw in there, there is better gun work in that. Yeah, mm. and and once again, this is someone called the gunslinger. You're expecting just a little bit more. Yeah. Mm. Now I know what Matt's trying to lead me towards here is you <laughs> yeah. know talking about the big, the action sequence at the end when mm. he's. Should we save that for spoilers? By the way, it doesn't. I don't think it really matters. Go ahead. Screw yeah. it. No one's going to remember this movie in two years anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You, you might as well just put at the beginning, you know, we really didn't care about yeah. spoilers on this. So, folks, sorry. Sure. Um, but, yeah. you know, at, at the very end, when he's going head-to-head with Walter? Walter. Man yeah. Black. With Walter. The Black. <laughs> um, there, there's a scene there where Walter uses the magics to throw him up against a pillar. And you can tell they used all the effects budget on these beams because, as I told Matt after the show, it's like they borrowed from the physics engine from Goat Simulator. <laughs> That's how bad it looked. It really did. Yeah. So, and ugh. the cheesiness of like 
the man in black like catching bullets. Yes. And then he takes them and throws them back like he's dealing fucking cards. Yes. I was like, Ugh. what the fuck is this? Right. It was so cheesy. Mm-hmm. It was so fucking cheesy. That did not work at all. Terrible. Yeah, and be part of the problem Ugh. is probably because the man in black is not an action character. He's, right. He fights with with words in the yeah. books. I mean, he's he's a wordsmith. He's not mm-hmm. a. He's a sorcerer but, who orchestrates. Yeah. thing and and things and ah. to my previous point about the action if you very famous movie butch casting the sundance kid mm-hmm. opening scene of that movie where he's playing cards and someone asks him how fast he really is are you really the fastest gun in the west and he demonstrates that no spoilers mm-hmm. i needed that about 20 times in this movie that's what the gunslinger that's what roland deshane is supposed to be yeah mm-hmm. that's as a point of reference for the audience that's what it's supposed to be there is almost zero of that with the exception of like the speed reloading, right? Again, I give him credit for that, but yeah, it just it, it needed to be it needed to be a pervasive part part of the movie mm-hmm. and like stand out and like the way that we're talking about the movie Wanted, you know, mm-hmm. or you know, the Quick and the Dead or mm-hmm. any of those movies Tombstone. like the Tombstone, yeah, it's Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. You can mm-hmm. reference it fifty years later. No one is going to do that with this movie, right? But. It should have been an integral part of the movie, mm-hmm. and it just wasn't there. Yep, it's, it's a shame. Now, one last thing I do want to bring up because there's mm-hmm. probably going to be no other decent place to bring it up right. was uh, something else we we were putting in the plus column was mm-hmm. how pretty the movie was. At least a lot of the set pieces, yeah. that yeah. were used. It's not. It's not necessarily how I how I imagine Midworld to be, but I mean, I think they did a, a fairly okay job with their budget. They had a. a very different um, locations and everything they had. They had the Mohane Desert. They had the Manny Village. Not that they referenced that because, of course, why the fuck would you mention anything that's in that's canon from the books? But whatever, um, and just make them just bland. Just like, oh, there's a tribe of people. But um, except, yeah. Do you guys know what was that building overlooking the village? What no was that? fucking clue. No idea. Oh yeah, no idea. I think well, it, I think it was a train terminal. Oh yeah, I think so too. Which could be reference referential to the books, but they barely heavy handed. Could be, yeah. Yeah. It's a, yeah, even if it was like a reference to the books, that's not even accurate to reference of the books. But um, yeah, it looks like, and that's one of the one of the things that I love about the Dark Tower world of, of the Dark Tower in in the books is that it's this it's this Western kind of thing where like, like Roland Deshane is like a cowboy who's, who's like on his own and he's, he's going through the desert and stuff. He's a gun, he's a gunsling, gunslinger. And then, but you, you get the, uh, you get slowly, you get it developed, uh, that the world that he's in is this almost post-apocalyptic thing where like, where like they'll reference, things from our like current day and in our past like technology and things like that that they reference as being from the old people and that's not saying that midworld is is earth 2000 years in the future or anything it's just like there are relics from other worlds and from our world that are that are like laying in wait and 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 that are just kind of all over like all over the place and it's just it's this fascinating tapestry of of like putting together um like western science fiction action horror um uh all of these elements together to make this very well realized uh universe in 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 the books that's just not in the movies 
So that that raises the question, and mm-hmm. you know, you guys are talking about the exposition lines and all that. Mm-hmm. You might have blocked it out. Mm-hmm. How close was the line where he's when they're talking about the amusement park, where he's going? You know, these are the things your world forgot. Um, how close is that to actually? They they just reference the constructs as being from the old people. So like, it's just this. It's fairly, I think it's fairly accurate that they don't know what, where they come from or anything, but, and I, I did appreciate that line and everything, but, uh, where Jake's like, uh, they're theme parks, <laughs> you have theme parks there. And then he's like, no one knows where they're from or what they are. And he's like, they're theme parks. And no, Jake, those were amusement parks. Those right. Not right. Theme parks. Yeah. He might have said amusement parks. I don't remember. No, no, no. Did he it? said theme. Did he? Okay. And the former Disneyland cast sure. members over here going, no, those are amusement park rides. There <laughs> sure. is no theming. <laughs> sure. Nice. But, um, but yeah, and that's fairly accurate to it and everything, but, like he throws out the he throws out the phrase the world has moved on, and that's another thing that I had a gripe about. It's like he says that like that's what is said throughout the books is that the world has moved on. Like mid world itself has has moved on. There's there's been this kind of apocalyptic event. There's no there's nothing like left. Uh, time and space are kind of are kind of thinning out and they're and they're like it's this very uh, mystical thing and that's why he's going to the fucking dark tower is so that he can try to preserve his his universe and midworld but he just says oh the world has moved on because hey that's what they said in the books and ugh. yeah the uh it's, it's kind of like most of the relics that are making an appearance in the books and in the movie for that short scene um they're kind of all like a bunch of stone hinges. Like, yeah, you see it and you can go up and touch it, but you don't really know what they used it for. That's kind of how it is. Like there's in the books, there's like a, an oil refinery station, like mm-hmm. there's oil derricks and there's machine guns and tanks and stuff, but it's, it's the old West. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't really make any sense. And they're just like, well, we don't know how to take this black stuff coming out of the ground and put it in the tank to get it to work. But they're both there. You know what I mean? And it's, it's kind of like that. Uh, it's, yeah, it's cool. It's it, relic is the proper word it to is. describe the stuff. Yeah, and it's fascinating in the books and the in in the movie. It didn't do much for me. Yeah. Um, let's see. Should we just use this to jump into spoilers? Because so we can go into specifics about some of the set pieces and, and yeah. Because like I think that. we kind of already started to. So. We did, yeah. But we can at least throw out like, oh, hey, spoiler warning. So okay, okay. So that was our non-spoiler review with Tony. Uh, now for this next shuffle, I'm going to introduce Mike, who this is just a brief three minute, um, three minute recording of him talking about the dark tower. Um, Mike is one of, one of our closest friends. He, he has been uh part of the podcast since the beginning, part of the obsessive viewer podcast since the beginning. And, uh, he just a year or so ago had to, uh, relinquish his role of being a full-time uh co-host but he checks in every now and then and so we were very excited to get his thoughts on the dark tower um so here's his what we call on the obsessive viewer his uh pine tree perfume segment um which which it's a long story anyway um here is mike white you can follow him on twitter at i am mike white um here's his here are his thoughts on the dark tower Hey, listeners of the Obsessive Viewer podcast, this is Mike from the Obsessive Viewer. Uh, I'm here for another installment of Pine Tree Potpourri. This is where it's really late, and I just watched a movie with my friend, uh, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about it. So we watched The Dark Tower, 
Uh, and I imagine that you've listened to Matt and Tiny go on and on talking about this movie because uh, it's a movie, it's a series that's really important to them. Uh, and so I imagine they have told you that they're disappointed uh, in the movie. Now, The Dark Tower is not a series of books that is important to me. In fact, I've never read it, uh, and I my expectations were very low going into The Dark Tower. I thought uh, early trailers didn't look all that interesting. Uh, I knew reviews were pretty terrible, so I I really didn't expect much and didn't think much uh, going into uh, the movie. That said, coming out of the movie, I thought even less uh, about it. I don't know that I'd go as far as saying it's one of the worst movies of the year, um, but it's one of the most forgettable movies of the year. And to be honest with you, if I didn't know Matt and Tiny so well and I didn't know how much they love The Dark Tower, um, I wouldn't be thinking about The Dark Tower afterwards. Uh, it was really that forgettable. Um, which, looking back, is a really, really uh, poor thing to say about a movie. Um, so, some good. I thought the kid that played Jake was passable. Uh, Idris Elba kind of did his thing. He's always likable. Uh, Matthew McConaughey, um, who lately I think we kind of consider one of our one of our better actors of our time, was really hamming it up. Uh, I, I I really couldn't get into uh, what he was doing on screen, um, and the rest of the movie just it was scotch taped together. Uh, it was a movie that I couldn't get into from the beginning. Um, one of the things I noticed throughout the movie uh, is that there were moments that I felt uh, were probably cool in the books and just looked stupid in the movie. I'm pretty forgiving uh, to sci-fi. If you remember from a couple years ago, I actually gave Jupiter Ascending a pass. I, I, I thought it had some interesting ideas. So I'm able to overlook things that uh, are not well done if it, gets, if it gives me new, interesting perspectives on sci-fi. The Dark Tower did not do any of that. But like I said, I, I think that there were moments where if I were, if I was reading the book, I would say, oh, that's actually a cool idea. Uh, but the, it just did not translate well uh, onto the screen. And so um, I cannot really say I'm disappointed by the movie because my expectations were so low um, going in. Uh, but it's a, it's a really, really hard not recommend to see this movie. Um, avoid at all costs. One of the most boring movies of the year, uh, unfortunately. Um, sorry, Matt. Sorry, Tiny. I know you guys had your high hopes uh, for this movie, but it just it just wasn't good. Um, so that's it. That's it for me. Again, I'm Mike. You can find me at I am Mike White on Twitter. And this is another session of Pine Tree Potpourri on the Obsessive Viewer. Thanks, guys. Good night. Okay, and now we're going to go back into our review with Tony. Uh, this is our spoiler section for the review for The Dark Tower. So if you haven't watched The Dark Tower movie yet and don't want to be spoiled on it, uh, uh, cry off and come back when you've watched it. Or if you don't care or if you've seen it, feel free to keep listening. Here's our spoiler review with Tony Troxel from Geeking in Indiana. Uh, yeah, uh, okay, so spoilers on for The Dark Tower. Um yeah, so this movie had a very small budget, and I am not opposed to low-budget movies at all, if 
the um, if the studio and the filmmaker and everyone knows how to manage the budget. This movie was clearly a mess budget wise because it's like it, there were moments where like we have these we have these nice um, set designs of like of like the Manny Village and and of um, to an extent no I won't even I won't even say that the that the place where they have all the kids is is good it's just basically a lair. But they have they have some cool set set pieces and everything here and set design set up. But when you look at like the the um, the nighttime action scene, the first nighttime action scene in the in the forest um, with the monster coming out of what what was essentially a thinny from the books, but they didn't say it as such because again, a running theme of the of the movie is hey, we're afraid to actually dive into the mythology of the book, so let's not call it what it is. And also don't actually show it the way that it's depicted in the books, but that's neither here nor there. Um, so like we get that and it's kind of a nondescript like monster attack thing, which I thought was okay. But then we get like just hack hack screenwriting hack dialogue where like after Roland has gotten away from the monster and everything he says to Jake like that was really brave of you and I'm just like what the fuck did he do he went he like started to go for the gun and then he bailed and went to the little the playground to hide like that how is that brave like that's not like make if he's going to compliment his bravery or or if you're going to if you're going to cement their relationship or really like soften up their relationship and make them more together in this make it a fucking big point where he is like he's going to save Roland or or he shows that he is this this kid that's not that's not afraid of of everything he's going to like he's going to put himself in harm's way to save this guy like like show that don't don't just say like oh that was brave of you to almost go for the gun it's fucking stupid, but anyway, um, one thing that I did like um, in that in that scene, kind of prior to that though, and we we can talk about that. I'm rambling again. I'm sorry. Um, was that when they uh, when I guess Jake is drawing in the sand or in in the dirt, and he has the stick up, and it's it's the dark tower, and that you see the beams that they never reference because why would you reference the beams? Because you know that's just an integral part of the the lore of the dark tower, but whatever. <laughs> um, but I really liked the comparison or the description that Roland gave about the dark tower, even though it's technically not really like what the description is in the book. But it was it was an okay creative. It was it was choice. an okay creative choice. That's it's fine just, with it. Yeah, yeah. It's essentially saying that the dark tower holds. Holds up a force field around the universe that keeps the darkness outside of the universe. Uh, again, in the books, that's references to da- uh, Todash space, but hey, whatever. Um, that has a bunch of monsters and everything, and that the Dark Tower is is the center of that to keep that in in, in effect. What I liked about that was that he actually took like a, a huge ass spider and put that yeah. there, which I thought was a nice visual nod to the books because that there's some interesting things with spiders and stuff later in the series, yeah. but. They showed us. They showed us. They showed yeah. us. They didn't tell us what it was. Exactly. Yeah, they mix. They mixed the two. Well, yeah. yeah. But anyway, what did you guys think of that uh, monster attack in the forest? That was. I heard a lot of people bitching about that too. That it was mm-hmm. poorly lit, and I was. It, they, it's not that they're wrong, but it's like it. It was at night. You know, it's gonna yeah. be a little. It's gonna be a little dark. I could see everything perfectly fine in that mm-hmm. scene. I. It didn't bother me other than the fact that it was again just a really generic mm-hmm. scene, and it's like. Yeah. Is is Roland uh, being? Is he tethered to that tree? Did it? How did mm-hmm. it secure him to that tree? What's going on? It was a little confusing. But yeah. It, it wasn't terrible. Mm-hmm. 
It was a monster fight in the forest. Yeah. yeah. That's, once again, one of the biggest sins. <laughs> yeah. It's a monster fight in the forest. Yeah. It's yeah. forgettable. Mm-hmm. I did like that it, it did pay homage to the books and that it showed it showed the characters what they want to kind of goad them into going into that space and everything. What I didn't like was that the whole thing with Jake's father... Like it's it was such a flimsy. I get what they were doing. It was such a flimsy thing, but I get what they were doing. They were trying to make a connection between Jake and Roland, and Roland's father was killed by the Man in Black, even though that doesn't, uh, even though that replaces his fucking quest in the books. But whatever. Um, God, damn. I really wish I was like video recording this. Right uh, it's now. so <laughs> frustrating. He's got a vein that's about ready to start popping out of his forehead. Well, the thing about the thing about Stephen Deshane's death is that even in that fucking scene, you don't even know that he's his father, like, at all. Like, it's not referenced that he's his father until later in the movie. And, like, it's not even, oh. like, an aha... Th- no, in the movie. Oh, movie. Yeah. Like, I guess I was just running off the assumption. Oh, it's right. not in the book yeah. at all. And it's not in the book. Yeah, yeah that's not part of, the, yeah. part of the history or anything. Again, they took Roland's quest to, to preserve his world and to, to seek the Dark Tower as an obsession and everything. They took that and replaced it with, hey, this guy killed my dad. I'm going to go after him. And we get a little bit more like background on that in that scene in the, in the, in the uh, gun store, which I actually enjoyed, um, even though it was kind of silly to have him shoot the – shoot the gun to knock him out yeah which i thought was i mean it was kind of funny but you know whatever um you know how i mm-hmm. made that connection before it was even mentioned about the father the guns the trailers thing. oh the trailers yeah because when he mentions mm-hmm. the father in the creed yeah they showed him mm-hmm. and that's why i was so excited trailer. because we were going to see steven deshane and we were going to see their history and stuff but not at all. Not at all. Not even slightly. Nope. Yeah. He, all you catch is he's told to stop breathing. Yep. Yeah. And, and yes. And like, like even looking at this as just a movie, the main, the main slash supporting character of Roland Deschene is is going after the Man in Black for murdering his father. Um, the most anticlimactic death scene like you would think that there would be more of a build-up and more more energy to it and more of a like a more heartfelt thing but no it's like this is just about our i think the, is that the first fucking scene we see of roland i think that's his introduction to the movie just pretty much and once again has. you see this is the problem we've you've seen it twice mm-hmm. we've seen it once and we can't remember yeah yeah exactly and in yes it's I'm, like i think so i think it was but I i'm wouldn't put my money on it was like a dream that jake was having yeah i'm 99 percent sure that this was the that the, that was the first we see of roland and it's just him with dennis haysbert dennis haysbert gets killed and then man in black gives him uh gives gives us some exposition saying like roland you can't you can't uh you can resist my magics and the tower is gonna fall that's it and that's our introduction to Roland Deschain. That's our introduction to his quest to kill the man in black. Um, he doesn't give a shit about the tower. And then even in the war description, like it's, it's a nondescript war. It's like the man in black wants to reach the tower to destroy it so that he can bring in the monsters from outside and rule like darkness. So was that war like them fighting to preserve the t- like it, it was nothing there was nothing described about that mm-hmm. um 
But yeah, anyway, I'm getting away from a bunch of points that I was trying to make, but I can't remember now. You guys talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, I think it's I think it's important to bring up the reshoots in this because uh-huh. um, they really made sixty six million dollars feel like six million dollars, mm-hmm. um, especially with the with the reshoots because that yeah. I, I'm pretty sure that the scene with Roland and his dad where he gets killed Mm -hmm. was a reshoot. And it's looked like, it looks like they just went to like a wooded area off Mm -hmm. of, off of a highway in LA somewhere (laughs) with, with a fog machine. Uh, There's no really good wooded areas like that around LA. Just want (laughs) to throw that out there. Okay. Sacramento. (laughs) I don't know. Um, they, they they road tripped it to Northern California to the Mm. woods up there. Um, that's, that's what it felt like somebody with a GoPro. I mean, it was, it was that bad. And then the ending, which we can talk about later, but like the ending was this, I, I'm 90% sure that was a a reshoot as well. I'm pretty sure that's confirmed that that was a reshoot. Okay. And it's, it it feels like it. It I mean, it's like a sophomore in high school's AV project. Mm -hmm. That's what it felt like. It was just so atrociously bad. Yeah. I kind of liked the line, the, the hot dog line. I'm not going to lie. It was a little I bit. It was, it. It was, it was kind, kind of funny. Yeah. Didn't fit at all, but yeah. I thought it was like, it's kind of funny. It's like, it says like, what's this called? It's a hot dog. Savages. What breed? I kind of like that. Yeah. The yeah. delivery was a little off uh, with Jake's reaction, but, uh, but I, I liked that. Didn't belong at the very end of the movie. Yeah. And then it's followed up with fucking Roland saying, saying like, well, why don't you come with me? You have nothing to live for here. Yeah. So why don't we go to this kind of completely barren wasteland together and, you know, uh, <laughs> hang out and stuff. He doesn't say, let's go protect the tower or anything. He says, let's just go. And it's like that's supposed to be the lead-in for a sequel or whatever. Yeah, you which, know the, the certainty yeah. of food, water, and shelter that you have in this world? Right. Just completely yeah. abandon that and come yeah. put all that at risk in this other world with me. You have nothing to live for despite the your best friend that lives right next to you that has a family and everything that I'm sure would take you in as their own and everything now that your family's dead. But hey, no, no, no. No, no, no. Let's come with, come with me since I uh, apparently <laughs> killed uh, some dude after, you know, massacring a bunch of people. Um, with with guns and everything, but you know, let, let's go, let's yeah. go. You heard you heard how the doctor said I have all types of hepatitis and radiation poisoning. Let's go where I got that. <laughs> God the, um, damn it! Another thing I wanted to bring up was the. Uh, I don't. Think, it's never given. It's never given its name in the movie, but it's Agosiento or mm-hmm. uh, Devartoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, another name. It has the place has multiple names, but it's yeah. basically the evil lair of the man mm-hmm. in black. Um, I, I I am shocked at how shitty Bond villainish that was. Yes. I mean, it's like he didn't oh. have a cat. Yeah, <laughs> he had rat people. He didn't have a cat. It's true, there were had no, chicken. No, no scenes of him stated that. Fucking Christ! I actually, I I will actually defend the scene with him in the in the kitchen cooking chicken. Yeah, I, I kind of liked that because that felt like a Randall flag kind of thing. That, that did. That's yeah. true. Um, yeah. In another scene, the man in black is like, I don't know what the hell it is, but it's a random scene where he's walking up to this guy who's dying, mm-hmm. and he's like... That's he, in the field after the battle with that looked like a Civil War reenactment. At, yeah. Like Connor Prairie or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the that's a level of... Set- not, that, not that there's anything wrong with that, but like this is a, a major film studio's release. Like it yeah. looked like... It looked like the a scene from the Project Greenlight movie with Shia LaBeouf, uh, The it's Battle like for Shaker Heights. Yeah. Someone had gone to the Civil War reenactment at Connor Prairie, <laughs> yeah. taken a drone with a camera on it, yes. yeah. flown over the battlefield. Yeah. 
Yeah. But he says, like, he leans down to this guy <laughs> and he's like, he's like, you're worried that you're not going to get into the afterlife or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, and he's like, well, it's not real. It's he's like it's not real. It doesn't exist. And then the guy's like, "Go to hell." And he's like, "Been there." It's like, so does the afterlife exist or doesn't it? Like, what? <laughs> Literally within two or three seconds, he contradicts I'm himself. Some mixed messages here. Yeah, it's it's like um, and then he kills him. And God, it's just oh god, it's a mess. Um, yeah. but yeah, shitty Bond villain, mm-hmm. evil lair was just really stupid and like. Yeah. Not creative at all. There's a very, there are very cool aspects of that location in the book, mm-hmm. and I understand why they didn't necessarily go for those. Mm-hmm. But they just made it so uh, generic and goofy mm-hmm. and unbelievable. Yeah, in and a nondescript with, and nondescript. Yeah, in a world with portals. Yeah, um, and also Ugh. I'm kind of steal- I, I didn't think of this. I'm kind of stealing it from uh, Slash Films review of mm-hmm. this. But in in the climax of the movie, um, Roland like like he shoots the machine inside that lair like three times and it blows up the entire fucking thing. It's like, it's, it's like, was it like the air vents in the death star? Like you just, you hit it just the right way and it blow the whole thing blows up. Like, I don't think it was really that he just, a bullet went through and then went at a 90 degree angle down. Yes. (laughs) That's what happened. Yeah. Yeah. Just really stupid shit. But the the movie. crazy thing is the space that he shot too. Like if you looked at it, it was no bigger than a womp rat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but and I will say this: like I have been, I have been on record as giving shit for Star Wars fans and stuff. Like I'm gonna reap what I sow now because this is, yeah. this is like, like, this, like this is my favorite thing. I love the Dark Tower. I hated this movie, but like, yeah, they the thermal exhaust port in Star Wars. It's, I mean, it's a little not. I mean, it's a little silly and everything, but like, not only in the movie, in in the original movie, they they built that up well. They explained it and everything. We even got in Rogue One, we got more background on why it was there in the first place. This is just oh, I have the hiccups. This is just like oh, he's a gunslinger. Let him shoot this thing, and we'll we'll blow it up. Yeah, stupid. Really bad. Yep. Well, the only thing I've really got to bring to the table at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Are the Easter eggs? Yes, and that not even the Easter eggs for the books, but the Easter mm-hmm. the I'm I'm using air quotes here. The Easter right. eggs for the other Stephen King work. Yes. I believe that there's three lines I said I had to bring with me to to this podcast recording: mm. the multiplicity line, <laughs> the um, ragdoll physics from Goat mm. Simulator line, <laughs> and saying how these. These are Easter eggs if it's an Easter egg hunt for a three-year-old. Yes. You know those Easter yeah. egg hunts you do for really little kids mm-hmm. where the Easter eggs are sitting right out in the open yep. mm-hmm. in compl- really bright colors so you can't miss them? Yep. Eric, the, the, I mean, like I said, I haven't watched the films in years. I haven't read the books in years. I'm mm-hmm. going Twins from the, uh, the Shining. Yeah. yeah. Oh, look, family from Cujo. Yep. <laughs> There's Cujo because they are they're – like it's it's a shot. Like it's they, not they an Easter zoom egg. In. Yeah, yeah. That the car from uh, Christine. Oh, he's playing. He's playing with Christine. Yeah, yeah. You know what was harder finding Christine in the trailer for Ready Player One. <laughs> <laughs> Christine's in that trailer. Nice. It was harder. I had to stop and look. <laughs> yeah. And oh, this nope. He's just playing, playing with that. Uh, what was it Plymouth Fury? Yeah, uh, yeah. Just yep. playing with that Plymouth Fury. One of one of the funniest Easter eggs for me that it it makes me laugh in retrospect because I think maybe Slash Film may mention this, but um, uh, another podcast mentioned this that um, 
when they're at the Manny Village and they're they're like doing the portal and everything, which mm, the Manny the Manny folk, the Manny people are this uh, this kind of religious sect in in Midworld that like they're known as like world travelers that they travel to different worlds and stuff like that. It's a very spiritual thing, but no, they just have this portal that they you know they need to just put the right parts in and just power it up. They got to plug in the surge protector and and press press uh, press power whatever (laughs) but my thing was that they uh when they're at the entrance of the portal right before the attack the guy uh the kind of leader guy is like um uh is like remember this number um because you'll need it to get back first of all that makes no sense because they don't go back. Like there's no reason for them to go back. They're going to New York to get to the lair, to get to a portal, to get to, to get to where they're they They have all the kids and everything and to mm-hmm. get to the man in black. Like there's no reason for them to come back. The only reason that they say that in the movie is so that we, as the audience will look up and see that the number is 1408. And it's right. like, it's just like nail on the fucking head. Like, yeah. like just, just, Hit us over the head with it. Like, what the fuck are you doing? What's fourteen oh eight? Oh, fourteen oh eight is a short a short story. Uh, a short story yeah. that uh, actually was adapted into a movie with John Cusack and uh, um, Sam Jackson. Samuel Jackson. Oh, duh. Okay. That is yeah. from what uh, un- until it comes out next month because it it is going to shatter it. But I believe that fourteen oh eight is the most successful opening weekend box office movie of Stephen King's adaptation. Really? I believe so. Um, wow. That's I think I read something like that. Cause well, well you know, it had the drawing power of John Cusack. Yeah. <laughs> and Sam Jackson. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But they couldn't repeat that with cell. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Monday box office, uh, Dunkirk 2.7 million emoji movie, 2.2 million dark tower, 2 million. So it was actually third for Monday box office. Anyway, uh, um, I'm looking at the brand of Stephen King. But that means it's up to 21? Yeah. I believe so. Yes, yes. Yeah, and speaking of budget again, I remember five, six years ago <laughs> when J.J. Um, Abrams just kind of wanted to make this random movie called Super 8. He mm-hmm. made the movie for like 50 million bucks. So yeah. 10, 15 million dollars less than this. And that movie was way superior to this. Like mm-hmm. I remember being surprised. Like, man, he made this movie for fifty million dollars. Like that was oh yeah impressive. Uh, and here we are. And this the sixty six million for this felt like, like I said, damn near like a sophomore, with the exception of some quality CGI and everything mm-hmm. and some good costume work. I think uh, Roland Deschain looked amazing. Oh, yeah. He looked amazing. He looked yeah. incredible. Um, other than that, the, a sophomore in high school's AV final project. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And seen more quality work come out of the folks uh, coming into Shocktober. Yeah. And yeah. some of those people oh, yeah. are only making films in 48 hours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Um, that, that, that is not to disparage any of the folks that show at Shocktober. Yeah. Right. 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 Of course. Um, and yeah, and I just looked it up and it is from 1408. Of the 41 um, Stephen King movie adaptations or Stephen King book ap- adaptations that were made into movies. Um, 1408 is the highest grossing opening box office take that's uh, at 20,000 <laughs> for the opening weekend. So 20 million? 20 million. 20 million. 20 million. Okay. And uh, yeah, so it is going to demolish that because it is, tra- is going to be amazing. The movie yeah. it. But anyway. Yes, um, it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I know that there's more to talk about with this. Oh, the Easter eggs and stuff. So 
okay, okay, wait. Let's let's back up. Let's talk about the sheer stupidity and ridiculous nature of the doorway demon at du- in the Dutch Hill scene. Yes. What the fuck? Fucking disgraceful. It was pointless. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was pointless. Yeah. What was what was your take on that as as someone who hasn't read the books and has no uh, context for it? I didn't even know it was a demon. I thought it was like a defense system when you activated the portal. <laughs> yeah. Which which also I think is fucking ridiculous that he, Jake's entry to Midworld is that he just walks into a house and he types in 1919 onto a pad and, oh, there's the portal. Um, yeah. But the doorway demon, yeah. Tiny, how'd you feel about that? Well, it, it, it was kind of a recurring theme throughout the movie that they shit all over the books in the in mm-hmm. the regard that these portals, the portals are... I don't want to say non-existent in the books, but right. they're, they're not like that. They're doorways. Yeah. They're described, described as doorways in the books. And mm-hmm. in order to use them, you have to use, you don't just turn on, you flip a switch, you don't punch in numbers. Right. You need like magic, literal magic. Mm-hmm. You need the, the lengths that the characters in the books go through mm-hmm. to use those portals yep. is life threatening. Like they yeah. have to, oh, yeah. they have to wield a certain amount of magic or power or mm-hmm. there's a whole book where they're kind of, doing a favor for someone just so mm-hmm. they can get something from them to use a portal. Yeah. That's an entire fucking book in right. the series. And so it's it's a really big deal to get to use these portals, and they're not mm-hmm. used very often in the book. No. Okay, so there is world jumping, there's time jumping in the mm-hmm. books, but it's used to such little effect because it's so important and it's so hard to do. Right. In the, in the movie, like Matt said, he punches in some numbers, and like and in the Manai Village, they just crank up a generator and turn mm-hmm. on their portal like... It's it, it just completely downplays the significance yeah. of that concept. Yeah. And it's it is such a shame. It really it's is. It's really a shame. Yeah. Well yeah. they they crank up the generator until the Urukai comes in and uh tears <laughs> the cards. <laughs> the <Uruk-hai>. Right. <laughs> well speaking of that, they're they're called yeah. Tahin. They're called Tahin. Um, which they, Roland mentions in the woods for like he says like these those are agents of, of the man in black, they're the Tahin. No, that's all we that's get. It. And yeah. they are just, they're knockoff orcs, essentially, in, I, in the movie. I will say, I think their design in the movie was kind of cool with the whole seam on the neck. I kind of like that, yeah. That was kind of cool, but we don't really get to see what's underneath them. They, no. it, it doesn't make them that very scary, you know? Right. It's, I thought that was a bit of a dropped ball, but yeah. at the same time. It was the rat people, wasn't it? They were kind of rat people, yeah. Because yeah. there's there's a one walking around where he told he had they had to go get the uh, mask. Mm-hmm. Yes, so you yeah. did yeah. see, and that was cool. That that was cool, and that was fairly close. It's like to the I will go to the well. defense and say you did see what they looked like under the mask, but they mm-hmm. weren't scary. Right, right, right. Yeah. I've seen more terrifying pictures of fursuiters at uh, conventions around town. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. In, in the book, they're not just rats. They're it's they're kind of humanoid creatures that have. Mm-hmm. The features of certain animals. There's kind of there's like an eagle like yeah. one. There's a there's a rat one. There's a pig one. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of different ones in the book. In, yeah, in the movie, they they're barely referenced, but there's kind of just rat people in the movie. Yeah, because I think you movie. saw the one maybe two without the mask, and then when the yeah. one delivery driver got, got the side of his uh, neck yeah. scratch, you yeah. saw the, the gray fur poking out. So mm-hmm. right, right. Yeah, so, but kind of a cool design that was not fully realized. Right, yeah. and in as for the portals and stuff, like not only 
is it so important and, and rare in the books for them to do it? And it, it's, there's so much there, but like, there's such a, there's such a time factor to it because they need to, like in the later books, one of the best parts of it is that they need to, they need to make very crucial decisions about what they're going to do and how they're going to do it because the, the t- time runs different on, in both, in each world. Like, and you can't go back in, in certain ways and stuff like that. It's very complicated and very interesting here. It's just like, Oh, let's go to New York for a hot dog. And Oh, let's go back to mid world. And well, let's hang out with this, this chick that you, that you're giving googly eyes to Jake. It's like, it's stupid. It's, it's stupid. It downplays the important of important things. It really does. And the doorway demon is like the worst, the worst thing. (laughs) Like I, I almost laughed and like, I hate that. Like it's, it was just this, this, demon from 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 the house took him and then he just says no stop and then it releases him um and then it's explained later just very half-assedly like oh you know the shine is very like his his shine is so pure that it destroyed the demon it's like fuck he's you. got the touch <laughs> yeah. he's got the yeah. power which which okay so if they even like they could have like they could have incor- like if they wanted to do the shine that's fine cuz that that that's a nice easter egg i didn't mind that at all tiny yeah. um i didn't mind it at all but if they wanted to incorporate like like the touch and stuff why didn't they just make like you know earth side of it or keystone earth side of it um like they refer to it as the shine over there but then in, in midworld and everything and in the lore of the the history and everything it's referred to as the touch there like right. there like why not do that but whatever Rich. Well, have we effectively shit all over this movie? I we think, have. I, in, I think we have. Yeah, I'm sure. I'll, I think. I think this is the reason why I told Fekas that I would. I would do a one-on-one thing with him because I know that after we finish recording, I'm gonna. I'm gonna think of tons of other things. Yeah, and then I'll. I'll bitch at him about it. <laughs> right. Um, to kind of wind down, I do want to say that seeing the Dark Tower on Friday night and then on Saturday uh, afternoon with you, Tony. I came home and Sunday, like I came home and I was, I was distraught. Like, like tiny said, I was depressed too. Um, actually the first night, Friday night, I, uh, just, I threw on Lord of the Rings, a fellowship of the ring because, because I wanted to live vicariously through that. Like this, like that in game of Thrones, like the dark tower deserves the care that went into Peter Jackson making Lord of the Rings or, um, um, uh, Benioff and Weiss, I think, is are their names, mm-hmm. uh, doing Game of Thrones, and like I even watched, like I watched this week's Game of Thrones, uh, the Spoils of War is a great episode, by the way. Yeah, but I watched that episode, and the whole time I was just like, I was so, I was so um sad because I was like, like looking at the money that's on the screen in an episode of Game of Thrones, I'm like, this is what the Dark Tower deserves, and this is what like it's never going to get presumably it's never going to get this. And it's, it sucks. It fucking sucks. Matt, at the very least dark tower deserved the care that George Lucas put into the Phantom Menace. (laughs) Yeah. It didn't even (laughs) get that. At the very least. It didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's true. Oh, that's a disturbing sentence, but you're right. Yeah. And I I feel dirty saying it. I really do. But I mean, like, like I said, I, I didn't have a dog in the race. Right. Horse and whatever mm-hmm. words are hard. You didn't have a <laughs> Billy Bumbler in the in the race. Yeah, sure. Yeah. What you said. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that reminds me of a whole bunch of sh- shit that we could have talked about. Hang on, go ahead. Sorry, I'll throw it in there probably. <laughs> but 
you know, it's I I didn't I went to see it because you know listen you guys talk about it and mm-hmm. I wanted to throw my couple bucks in towards the box office to mm-hmm. you know show my support for you guys right? mm-hmm. and um but yeah it's it, it's average and it's forgettable mm-hmm. yeah it yep. really is yep. I mean if you put that film in front of me and if you put the Andy Kaufman Bernadette Peters classic Heart Beeps in front of me. Wow. I would choose heartbeats. Mm-hmm. Oh, in a heartbeat. Had, nice. <laughs> but if you had multiplicity. Dude, multiplicity. <laughs> All things multiplicity. Yes. Right. All things serve Michael Keaton. But um, yeah, a couple other things. We didn't touch on this hardly at all. So let's get everyone's thoughts on this. The fish out of water, Roland in yeah. New York sequences. Um I mentioned Billy Bumblers. There's there's uh, there's animals in in the Dark Tower called Billy Bumblers. They kind of look like they kind of look like raccoons. Like probably my favorite part of the, the entire movie is the hospital scene where Roland is in the hospital and then he sees that commercial of the talking raccoons and then he says to Jake, he's like, "Do the animals still talk in your world?" And he says, "No." And then he's like, "Wait, what do you mean still?" And that's that's a very nice reference to book fans of, to Billy Bumblers because um, there there there's a very uh, one of the one of the significant characters of the whole series is a fucking animal that sort of talks. It's 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 amazing, and I'm glad that they got that in there. Um, and I like the humor of that scene. But again, it's just what what did you guys think of the fish out of water thing and the gun store scene? We didn't really talk about that much. Yeah, that that <sighs> stuff worked surprisingly well. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it necessarily needed more of it. Right. Uh, but but it worked, uh, especially the the chef with the knife was that was great. That was. I don't know about hilarious, but it was yeah. pretty damn funny. I laughed really hard at that one. That was the part that I couldn't remember. Right, the funny part of the movie. Right, and in yeah. the scene in the hospital and stuff. Yeah, that's yeah. it was it was it was funny and it worked and yeah. I think it was injected at the proper moments in the story. Sure, know? and people have been kind of shitting on the movie and making the comparison to Last Action Hero with that. To which I I say that yeah maybe they should have saved that for the second movie and made the first movie or first installment just Roland and. The fucking guns. Don't shit on Last Action. But anyway, oh, I I love Last Last Action Hero. (laughs) But what did you think of the fish out of water, gunslinger in New York thing? Comic relief. It 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 tried to bring a moment of levity that really was not fitting the film and Mm -hmm. did not feel right. Okay. Now, of course, this brings me to a question that I've got a bad feeling that if I ask this, it's going to get us on another 20-minute rant. Okay. But you saw it painted all over New York. Oh, God damn it. Yes, yes. go ahead. who the fuck was the Crimson King? Okay, do you have another hour? <laughs> <laughs> no, the Crimson King is the big bad of the Dark Tower universe. Um, he's not introduced until later in the series. He's not revealed until later in the series. Um, and it's just like, like the man in black is just, uh, he's, he's not like, basically the crimson King is, is the, is the big bad of the universe. He's like, he wants to control everything. He wants to rule over toe dash space and everything. Um, basically the graffiti is just, Hey, Reference to the reference to the books. I think there's one reference to the Crimson King by name, not by name, but by like inference or whatever, um, or it's implied because the two uh, Tahin that that lose Jake when the Man in Black uh, talks to them. I think the girl says, "How can we serve him?" 
and I think she's referring to the Crimson King. Yeah, she but is. that's it. Yeah. So Tiny, what do you what do you think? And then talk about Crimson King and stuff. Yeah, I wasn't expecting to see much of the Crimson King in this because it's, yeah, it's the first it's the first movie, and to have multiple villains makes it makes it convoluted. Um, not that the movie wasn't convoluted anyways. Right. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I I was happy with those two references. Um, All hail the Crimson King was mm-hmm. kind of etched on there. Um, the Crimson King is kind of a kind of a weak villain in the in, in my book in yeah. in the books. Uh, I think he's sort of a weak villain, and uh, he's just not explored all that well. He's a little bit cheesy, yeah, uh, to an extent. But the if you listen to the other part of this episode, I'm not sure how Matt's going to edit this, but I talk about mm-hmm. one of the first one of my favorite visuals of yes. the books, the illustrated versions of the books, is the first picture that appears of the Crimson King. It like kind of scared the shit out of me and it's like, it's super effective on me. And I had like a, almost like an out of body experience the first time I saw that image and it's, I just love it. And so, so he's, he's good in that respect. And I I think that illustration was effective, but uh, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm kind of losing train of thought here, but I'm glad he wasn't really, in the movie too much because I think it would have been confusing. So right. you're not the only one who's confused. Yeah. I mean, as okay. you're reading the books, you're confused. Like, why? What's this Crimson King thing? It is this the picture you were talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. This is a Crimson King. Oh, okay. Pretty cool. He sits on a throne of skulls. Yeah. Pretty awesome. Oh yeah. Anyways, yeah. So I, whatever. I, I think they could have just left it out. I think they could as shitty as the movie was. And yeah. As as convoluted as a you know, it just didn't need to be in there, mm-hmm. but. Or they could have Whatever. done some minor graffiti that they weren't. Yeah. But subtlety was nowhere in their no. dictionary. No. In the so. ending, the two roses on the door. Yeah. It's just like, there has to be a rose somewhere. Let's paint one on this door. Right. For let's, this for this reshoot. Yeah. And then let's have the characters go into this go into this building to go back to Midworld. Not show them because we ran out of money and this is a reshoot. Let's just yeah. flash some lights in the, at the at the window and call it a day. Right. Fucking stupid. That was ridiculously lazy. Yeah. But, and we can start wrapping it up for realsies now. Um, yeah. Oh, there was one Easter egg that I didn't realize was an Easter egg until uh, the until a couple nights ago, actually, or last night, actually. So, um, to, to put into context, uh, what I do, like I've, I've referenced that I li- that I play episodes of the Simpsons while I sleep and I kind of sleep to the Simpsons. But what I've been doing, um, is I've been playing the dark tower audiobooks while I sleep, which is kind of fucking awesome. I bet. Yeah. Because like in like that, in like toward the t- tail end of my REM cycle, like before I wake up, I'll like start having like, like it, the sound will kind of infiltrate my dreams a little bit. Like I had this weird dream where I was, uh, I was a bunch like friends were coming over and like my dad was weird Al Yankovic. Um, wow. yeah, yeah. Anyway. And, uh, it was at the end, like they were refer- in the audio book in, in real world and on Keystone, in Keystone earth. <laughs> um, they were, uh, they were referencing flag and, and referencing the events of the stand where, where, uh, um, I think it was, was it trash can man? That was like my life for you. Yeah. Saying it over and over again. So they were referencing that. And like in the dream, I was saying my life for you, my life for you. And that, that was just kind of a cool moment for me. But anyway, um, stupid. Anyway, I'm um, so. All right, Max Hedrum. <laughs> I was. <laughs> so anyway, 
I was uh, listening to the audiobooks, and um, when in the movie, when uh, I think it's after the, when they come into uh, New York and out of the restaurant and stuff, and they have that marquee that says "Spaghetti Spaghetti Week at the Majestic." Mm-hmm. Um, that's actually from the Wastelands. I didn't I didn't know that. Is like, it? yeah, in the book, when when Jake is going to Dutch Hill, like he like it references like, oh, the marquee says "Spaghetti Week at the Majestic." But anyway, huh? Um, so let's go ahead and just say our overall thoughts on the movie and and uh yeah how excited tony are you for you to read the books and stuff i (laughs) if nothing else i am hoping the books will wash the taste of the film out of my mouth nice um as i said i i didn't think the film was bad Mm -hmm. i do not feel personally assaulted Mm-hmm. by this film because i have no basis right all i gotta say is it's an average action film that mm-hmm. is entirely forgettable mm-hmm. which just on the surface is a crime against idris elba mm-hmm. and everybody else but then when you look deeper into it as you guys can it just becomes more and more insulting mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah. but yeah, it's not one that I'm going to be rushing out to see mm-hmm. anytime soon. Yeah. Um, in fact, if it's one that I never see again, I'm okay with that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I've seen it once and all right, let's move on. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say that's 95 minutes of my life. I went back, right. you know, I'll kid around with you saying, you owe me sure. 99, but no, it's, <laughs> it was, it was money well spent. Mm-hmm. I guess yeah. it didn't put as much weight on me as twelve dollars worth of Taco Bell could. Sure. So even though my colon could use that cleansing, I guess <laughs> a lot like right. gizmos from the sound of it. Oh, yeah. yeah. But uh, <laughs> little inside joke there. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Reason why I haven't uh, shaken Tiny's hand tonight. <laughs> oh boy. But, but yeah, that's. I mean, I really just don't have that much to add, other mm-hmm. than it was an entirely average, forgettable film. Okay, but you will read the books. Uh, if one of the reasons why I was playing with my phone over here is that mm-hmm. uh, I'm finding out Barnes and Noble's mobile site won't let me put uh, buy the book. I've got to do it. I see. Because oh, I'm gonna, annoying. I'm going to uh, start downloading them to my uh, Nook. Yeah, nice. gotcha. buying them through the Barnes awesome. and Noble store, download them to the Nook, and. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a plain paper, fake paper, whatever they call it, mm-hmm. paper light uh, nook, but it's got a back backlight to it, so I can, mm-hmm. nice. before I go That's to bed, read a chapter a night. Yeah. Nice. And it's a quick read. It's get quick get read. back in the habit of reading something that's not message mm-hmm. forums and uh, right. tweets. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's right. horrible for my brand, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but if you, if you follow Tony on on Twitter and on social media. And if he says, uh, uh, says good night and be excellent to each other and everything, or your, your common thing there, the way you end your post every day. Um, uh, go ahead and just send him as many tweets as possible, yes. as many posts, as many messages and everything. Be excellent to him. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's what he's wanting you to do is he, he wants you to interact with him at that moment. Um, no doubt. Cause we want to read the book. Ass. <laughs> But and this may be a loaded question, but if you were if you did not have the context of us being massive fans of it or knowing massive fans of the of the book series and everything, would this movie turn you away from reading the books? I don't know. Okay. 
I honestly couldn't. Um, considering how my memories of the first two books are, mm-hmm. meh. And then I'm going out of the book going, or out of the movie going, meh. Mm-hmm. But then I'm reading the IMBD trivia mm-hmm. that is giving a lot of these little tidbits about the books, mm-hmm. about how it's tied into the other books. And I'm yeah. going, hmm. So and it's like I'm not really viewing them as spoilers. I'm like, oh, sure. I want to see how they do this. Yeah, nice. So cool. unlike you know, telling me that about the um, ex- thermal exhaust port is a sure. major part of Rogue One, <laughs> and then you're an asshole, and I'm blocking you on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Jesus, aren't uh, you glad you're not that you? You're probably going to need to get the explicit tag for the amount that yeah. we've done. Right. <laughs> True. <laughs> Uh, tiny overall thoughts, and are you going to buy this? I think I have to. <laughs> That's uh, the same reason why I have to own Phantom Menace, Attack yeah. of the Clones, and Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think I think I have to. Um, yeah, and I, I think I think I think I'm going to buy it. Um, I, I, I want to see it again. Mm-hmm. I do want I do want to see it again just to I don't know make myself angry again sure uh but no i I need to see it again just to pick up on some of the other easter eggs and stuff like that and Mm -hmm. yeah some call them easter eggs some call them missed opportunities yeah Yeah. um (laughs) yeah missed opportunities abound in this book Mm -hmm. or this movie um yeah it, it it's really really a travesty and and very very slap in the facey to us diehard fans of the series Mm -hmm. um and it's, it's it, it just we talked about how it's it's going to be pretty much impossible for us to before we saw it we thought it was going to be impossible possible for us to review it objectively right um, oddly enough I can and so <laughs> because it's not good but like as as a fan I you know and, and as an adaptation like I said it's it is a complete missed mark it is yeah. blatantly poorly done just just yeah. a, awful awful adaptation mm-hmm. um and as a as a diehard fan of the series i hated it mm-hmm. i hated it but as as a conscientious subjector that's not right conscientious <laughs> viewer um mm-hmm. not you know objectively mm-hmm. looking at it it's it's just kind of a bad movie yeah it's just kind of a bad movie with a few bright spots that were kind of fun or kind of okay mm-hmm. um it's it's it, it's a compilation of scenes that are not that are not sewn together all that well. Right. Um, middling performances, terrible dialogue, and and just just a, a structural mess for yep. the most part. Um, well, lucky for you, this isn't the objective viewer podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Right. That, that very well said, no. Tony. Yeah. I um I I'll have to own it too. I'm sure yeah. I'll buy it. Um. I'll support you guys, but not that far. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Sure. Well, at this point, I don't want that. Like, I want this to just be buried. I want it to just, I want it to be, yeah. I want in 20 years for someone else to make it, make it right. Um, and just, just forget that this happened. But anyway, um, as a fan of the books, this is heartbreaking and it is just absolutely a travesty. And, um, and I'm not even angry at them for changing up. Like, like, in the lead up to this movie, the way that the series plays out, uh, the way that the book series plays out, like it was very clear that this this movie 
is was meant to be like a hybrid of um, an adaptation, but also somewhat of a continuation of the main series and everything, which sort of like I was excited for that because I was expecting I was expecting something very different. What we got was them throwing in a prop that is for book fans would notice it immediately, uh, throwing in a prop to give them an excuse to just completely mangle the entire, everything, uh, to give them an out. And what I'm finding is that like, if people like this movie, that's great. Hey, if you like the movie, good for you. I'm glad that you liked it. I'm glad that you found, um, enjoyment in it, but I posted something on the dark tower, uh, subreddit, and one of the comments was like, because I, I posted, and I'll talk about what I posted here in a bit and when I wrap this up, but um, one of the responses or some of the responses that I've seen on Reddit and in, in the Dark Tower fandom and everything is that like, well, if it's a continuation, just just see it as a continuation. And that's why it's that's like why it wasn't good is that because you didn't see it as a continuation. As a fan of the books, it's very clear that yes, we know that that we know how it falls in the canon and everything. We don't like it because it's a bad movie. Yeah. And it doesn't have the the shit that we liked in the book series at all. Like we, I don't care that they changed anything cuz that cuz if they had done it right, the book series, the nature of the story gives them the right to make any changes they want. It just wasn't done well and it was a mess and it was just, it was a complete shit show. It feels like someone had the rights to the dark tower and needed to make something before the rights expired and they lost it. Like it felt like that type of movie. And it felt like at times it felt sort of like a proof of concept that this is like, okay, this is a collection of scenes that can serve as uh, as a movie, um, as, as an idea for the kind of movie that we want to make. So go ahead and, and finance this movie that we want to make out of, out of what we have here. And like I said, I'll own it because I'm a diehard, uh, dark tower fan. And there were moments in it that I kind of liked and I want to see how everyone justifies themselves on the commentary. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also, um, like the entire time that you and I were watching it, Tony, um, I was sitting there thinking like I was like I was seeing the scenes in front of me and I was picking apart the ones that looked visually nice and thinking like at some point I wonder if like to challenge myself I wonder if I could edit together a trailer that would out of just footage from the movie to make it like look like it would be a good movie like that would be a challenge that I wouldn't would want to do I'd have to learn how to edit video and stuff but I have six or so months to figure that out (laughs) I'm not loaning you my uh editing laptop well we'll t- we'll talk off the off the <laughs> air um but anyway my final thought and this is a little inside baseball baseball for book readers of it and everything and tiny i hope that you appreciate this um one of my favorite easter eggs in the last moment of the movie that i that i had where i thought that this could be a really fun movie and really good that the, the, the last moment that i had thinking that this could be a good movie was in the opening credits when they had the, the uh, studio logos and they threw in one uh, that I'm sure Tony, you didn't catch this, but it said Tet corporation and it had a turtle and a rose. And that, that was the, like the last like studio logo that came up. I loved that because that's a reference to the books. There is something called the Tet corporation that comes up later in the books. And uh, it, it was a nice Easter egg for fans. My, my, um, 
my new fan theory for why the movie is bad and how the movie can fit in the canon of the series without being completely shitting on it. Um, like this is my new head canon for it. Um, oh, that, God. yeah, that the entire movie is a propaganda film made by the Tet Corporation yeah. as part of their clandestine like conflict with the Sombra group, which this is all played out on Keystone Earth in in Keystone Earth on uh, in in the latest books and later books in the series. But there's this whole like hint, thing that there's two corporations that are going after each other all in the name of, of one is one is like basically represents the Crimson Kings forces. One re- represents like Roland and the Cotet and the line of Elden and everything, but it's all done clandestine with corporations and stuff. My rationale is that, Hey, this is the Tet corporation making something, putting it out to the masses to, to undermine Sombra and the Crimson King. That's my new head cannon. That's why the movie sucks because it's made by uh, the Tet Corporation and a bunch of people, like some old guys and uh, some uh, uh, dental uh, manufacturing moguls and stuff like that. Um, Nobody has any that's fucking what, idea what you're talking about. Now. I know, right? <laughs> so that's why I'm okay with. Like, I do. That's why I can be okay with this. <laughs> yeah. That's my new head cannon. My cat's breath <laughs> smells like cat food. <laughs> <laughs> I can't blaze that reference. Ralph. Oh, yes, I knew that. Yes. <laughs> nice. I love it. Okay. I, I just wasn't going to damage your levels by putting my voice at that pitch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So, anyway, that's our review of The Dark Tower. The shining, the silver lining of this entire experience is that not only, not only was the Rotten Tomatoes score after Tiny and I saw it at a 19%, which 19 has mystical properties within the Dark Tower universe and Stephen King's work. Um, not only that, but the opening weekend box office was $19 million in change, which I, I like that as someone who like was listening to the last book of the Dark Tower and finishing his reread of the Dark Tower and looked on his ceiling and saw an outline of the Dark Tower in lights. <laughs> so anyway, um, that's our review of The Dark Tower. We'll have uh, Feck is on for something for to talk about it, and I'll be bitching about it more, and I'll edit this, and this will all be a nightmare. <laughs> um, all right, so um, everything is everything is meaningless, and everything sucks. Uh, Tony, thank you so much for joining us. I hope that we didn't uh, bogart the discussion too much with... with yeah. Uh, How dare you stuff. do all the talking on your own podcast? <laughs> How dare you, sir? <laughs> Well, if people wanted to listen to more of you and they didn't feel like they didn't get their fill of, of your voice in this episode, where can they find the Geeking in Indiana podcast and your blog and everything? My blog can be found at geekinginindiana.com. If you look on the side of the blog or on the bottom of the page, if you're on mobile, you will find a list of links, including the Indiana Geeking podcast, as well as a new shop link where you can find Indiana Geeking fidget spinners and pins. Awesome. <laughs> that was well done. Yeah. Oh, that was very nice. Very that, that's college radio experience right there. Very nice. 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 Yeah. Um, also, as, as a final, final note, I really want to see more movies with you because you definitely uh, bring out my uh, – you you push me to be self-promotion, <laughs> promoting things. Oh, so, yeah. That poor um, – before we go to the, to the young <laughs> woman that was cleaning the theater – at the um, AMC at Castleton that was mm-hmm. so into the discussion about the movie. <laughs> um, 
that you know we have people trying to go in and she, she hasn't gotten her job yeah. done yet because Matt's bogarting her time just as they're going on about the movie versus the book. Uh, yeah. And then I just as we're leaving, I go, and if you want to hear more of his thoughts, you can listen to his podcast. <laughs> and she and I felt so bad because she said that she also has a podcast that's on hiatus. I didn't think to ask like what it was or anything. Oh, I so felt really you know bad. what? So if you're, if listening, you're listening, reach out to this podcast. These yes. are the the two guys Sunday the five. 15 showing mm. one was trying to leave the other one just kept talking to you the, the guy that was trying to leave is the one talking right now okay yes. <laughs> and the guy talking right now is the guy who made you immediately regret asking what how the movie was <laughs> um all right, and that concludes our review with Tony. And now we're going to shuffle off to the Feckus review. Basically, Robert Feckus is a really good, really great friend of ours who he has been on The Obsessive Viewer multiple, multiple times. Um, I kind of consider him to be like the, the Paul Rudd to, uh, to mine and Tiny's six friends characters from Friends. He's kind of like the, he's kind of like the honorary third main co-host of the obsessive viewer because he comes in all the time but anyway great guy he is uh on twitter at rafekes f-e-k-k-e-s um i don't think he ever really uses it but go ahead and feel free to bug him about it and about his thoughts on the dark tower when uh when you hear it here um there is going to be a little bit of overlap or a little bit of redundancy in this uh recording i tried to clean it up enough to where i'm not repeating myself but I, this was recorded a day after i recorded with tony and uh or a day before a day after tiny and i had recorded with tony um this review is more is is just me and me and fecus one on one and we talk a little bit more about kind of the studio side of things and and our theories about about what exactly happened with with the production of the dark tower to lead us to get the finished product that we we got uh there are basically spoilers from the outset uh, so, so we're firmly in spoiler territory at this point. Um, so feel free to cry off again or, or continue listening. Uh, here is my spoiler review and studio discussion with my friend Robert Feckus, who, uh, will be appearing on the podcast down the road eventually. Uh, so, so you saw the Dark Tower. Um, oh, I did. You did. You did. And uh, let's. We had we had Tony on to to talk about it. And uh, I I at the beginning of it, I said like, "Hey, I'm so glad that we don't uh, censor cursing anymore," because like I just went off on it. Um, and that discussion was kind of kind of uh like uh, it was very uh lax and very very informal and very unstructured um you might say like the movie <laughs> but um, zing yeah um and that that hurts so much that hurts so much to say that because i but you know what like you yeah. said though you you have the books you I have do. the source material i do and so i have don't... the yeah i have the movies in my head but it's and i'll get into this but like 
the pain that I feel about it is like knowing that, okay, Lord of the Rings have their thing. Star Wars, they have their thing. Star Trek, they have their thing. Harry Potter has all of those movies and, and, uh, and, and Fantastic Beasts. There are all of these fandoms. Like, why couldn't the one thing, why could, why can't I just have one thing, everybody? Please. <laughs> it's not over. You know, there's it's still not. opportunity for, if they go and redo it somehow where mm. it's a, it's a, television show like hbo picks it mm-hmm. up and they do it kind of like westworld or uh game of thrones i, I feel like yeah. then it can be salvaged it can it can it really can and i'm and like i'm not upset that it's not like i it's not like it's destroyed my love for the dark tower because i'm still even considering getting tattoos and i'm not a tattoo person the tattoo though but, is is not movie related exactly so, it's source material because plenty I, of people that get tattoos yeah. that are booked yeah, tattoos, so. and and I love and I love it, it. Nothing, nothing can diminish my love for the books and and the source material. Nothing can. They could have just. They could have made. <laughs> I mean, I think we're in the darkest timeline. We're in the worst case scenario for that because I can't think of how the movie could have been worse. But they could have done something worse, and uh, and I still it still wouldn't affect how I feel about maybe the, books. the Dark Tower movie was the Man in Black's attempt to destroy the Dark tower <laughs> oh i've already i've already come up with a fan theory in my head to rationalize how shitty that movie is um but feckus you saw the movie did you see the movie strictly because tiny and i have been raving about it and you oh wanted yeah to see how, like yeah. after even seeing the previews mm-hmm. i would not have seen this movie yeah because i thought the preview like i'd never want to come out and be too harsh but i thought the right. previews looked like garbage sure sure I, Hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah, <laughs> for me. it's a shame too because I thought yeah. Idris Elba did. A, a, I thought he was a f- good fit for that character. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, yeah. I thought he did a good like him and Matthew McConaughey. McConaughey was okay. I, I, he didn't. Yeah. He didn't mm. astound me. Sure. I, I, yeah. I, I mean, I like Matthew McConaughey at all, but he's not what I. I've only read the one book, the right. first book, but he he is not what I would have pictured. Mm-hmm. He's not the actor I would have chosen. Yeah, me too. I like I have because of the art of I believe it's Michael Whalen, I have a very vivid idea of, of what the man in black looks like in my head. And I mean it's not Matthew McConaughey, but he's a talented actor and I feel like I feel like the Dark Tower movie is a showcase of like it's a it's an acting showdown between Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey. Um where they don't even share screen time. Yeah. Well it's a showdown to show uh, how the actors approach material that has nothing for them. <laughs> like, right. Idris Elba is, he has this presence. He, he embodies like a, 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 like a fraction of what Roland is, but the script does nothing for him. On the other hand, uh, Matthew McConaughey just looks bored as shit throughout the entire movie. <laughs> And uh, and he didn't yeah. really have anything to work with. His, he really didn't. His lines were just as fucking corny as anybody mm-hmm. else's. Lines. Yeah. And I blame Akiva Goldsman for that. Although, not to get ahead or anything, I have been reading the 2014 draft that he wrote uh, of the movie, and uh, I'm shocked. Like I'm, it's a 119 page um, uh, script. And a lot of it is is similar to how how it was in the, in the finished movie, but I am absolutely astounded at how much I'm kind of enjoying it because it has that mythology, it has stuff from the books that makes sense, and it it has um, 
vernacular, the mythology, the world building and stuff. They have all of this stuff that was nowhere in the finished Sony movie. probably stepped in and they were trying to make mm-hmm. money off this. They trying to, wanted to make this accessible to a wider audience and it just it yep. blew up in their faces. Yep, which is so Because it turns out this was not accessible to anybody. No, no. And it's such a it's such a uh it just shows how how just unbelievably stupid they are because I mean I understand yes Hollywood is a business the the movie industry is a business and everything but I mean if you have something that has um and granted like Dark Tower fans they're a small subset of Stephen King fans they're still like rabid it's a rabid fan base um and everything but it, i mean in the grand grand scheme of things stephen king is not known for the dark tower he's known for it the stand salem's lot the shining um uh, uh pet cemetery misery he's he's known for all of these works dark tower is kind of his little offshoot fantasy uh multiple genre mashup thing um so it's not i mean it's not even really that accessible to pure stephen king fans but it's still it's still a piece of literature that has drawn a steady fan base. There's mm-hmm. no reason to think that you couldn't have made that material film with the same love and care and still mm-hmm. grown a larger fan base. Like I, I, I feel like that's what Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones have done. You know, yeah, they're, exactly. They're, they had rabid fans uh, of the books, mm-hmm. and then they did the. Uh, transition correct and now they have rabid fans of uh the film and tv show mm-hmm. people like I, I i'd never even heard of game of thrones before right. seeing it on uh hbo but mm-hmm. now i've read every single book and i'm mm-hmm. a huge fan of the of the show yeah. same goes for lord of the rings before i saw fellowship i never read any of token stuff even the mm-hmm. hobbit now I've read every single one of his books and am a rabid fan of the trilogy. So nice, not the Hobbit trilogy, right? Uh, so I, I feel like if you would have done it with same love and care, you could have drawn more fans into the mix. Yeah, but absolutely. no, they just put a shitty product out there mm-hmm. that nobody is going to enjoy. Yeah, yep. Ah, and it's so frustrating to me because, like I said, all these other fandoms, and I'm just here like. Hey, hey guys, Dark Tower. Um, but yeah, so so what were your thoughts on the movie, just in broad terms, and you can go into more specifics and everything. Just go ahead and give us your. It was review. a poorly made teen post-apocalyptic uh, teeny bopper film. That for for me, that, that that's yeah. what it was the best equivalent I could give. Mm-hmm. And it just n- nothing worked for me. Like it. They didn't explain anything mm-hmm. from like they start you off with showing the uh, the institute where they're bringing the mm-hmm. uh, the shine kids yeah. uh, to try to destroy the dark tower, and you got furry face people mm-hmm. that you later learn have masks, but we don't know who these furry. They never explained to me who this furry yeah. face person is. They don't explain to me why the the. The man in black apparently does not enjoy furry faces, so he wants them <laughs> masked up. I, they didn't explain a goddamn thing. They just kind of threw it out there and just like, well, here you go. We're going to yep here, here, watch this. I'm like, okay, I have no basis for any of this. Mm-hmm. So it, it was just, it was ridiculous. But what about the the demon that attacks Jake in, in the Dutch Hill house? 
I completely lost. Yeah. When, when that happened, I was like, okay, and apparently it just exploded because mm. reasons? Yep. There's a throwaway line like two or three scenes after. It was like, uh, his that, shine was so yeah. strong. It's like, no, that's not how storytelling works, guys, at all. Ugh, God damn Yeah, there it. were a lot of throwaway, throwaway lines to try to like back explain something mm-hmm. that you had just seen you know what part kind of just threw me was the part where matthew conhey characters like his guns were made from something which <laughs> is earth's excalibur okay we can expound on that <laughs> right um yep ha- how about expl- it's like what, what's that mean it yeah. was the ex- it yeah. was King Arthur real? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's well, just so random and stupid. Yeah. I mean, they could have just as easily said, oh, his guns are made of Valerian steel. Right. And it right. made just as much sense to me. <laughs> exactly. And then I'm like, well, that makes sense. Those are powerful guns. Yeah. I can, I can expand on that a little bit, but it's not anything that's book related. Like, it's not like. Because the gunslingers. And and Roland is is the last gunslinger from from the line of Eld. It's it's this ancient ancestral line of um of of gunslingers that starts with Arthur Eld, who's kind of like kind of like um uh, King Arthur with 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 guns. Okay, and it's kind of that. And like the gunslingers are kind of like the Knights of the Round Table. Um, in the book, it like it's like. It's like inspired by that. They never mention like they don't. I'm say, sure the book does a fantastic job of explaining all of that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And it's not. And, it, and even that, it's not like like Stephen King doesn't say like, oh hey, it's like he's like this and stuff. It's like it's just described that way. It's not. I mean, it's not described verbatim that way. But it's right, like but it, there's an understanding. The significance is explained a lot yeah. more without beating you over the head with yeah. that's as Excalibur. That's why right. it's awesome. Yep. And the, the and the knowledgeable gun person and me is sitting there going, well, just because it's made out of a specific metal doesn't mean it makes the bullets fly any straighter <laughs> right. or faster or more powerful. Yeah. Really, the significance comes from the grain of the powder of the bullet and the size of the bullet. What would the gun have anything to do with that? Sure. So that's that was my <laughs> I, that's my thing. I was like, who cares yeah. what the fuck it was made out of? What did you think of the gunslingers? In in general, I love the idea of the gunslingers. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's that could be a really awesome mm-hmm. mythology. Yeah, I can't really wait could. to read the actual books and mm-hmm. get deep into the mythology. Yeah, and which I will do. Which I'll probably start reading those. What is it? August? Mm-hmm. I would say probably around November ish. Okay. Um, Where are you at in your Harry Potter reread? Uh, I'm taking a break right now because gotcha. I. There's a sergeant's test coming up that I'm I've been studying for. Okay, and nice. and I'm on about 150 pages into the Order of the Phoenix. Okay, and I, I'm a fast reader, so I'll breeze, mm-hmm. and especially with Harry Potter, uh, I'll breeze through those, and mm-hmm. um, I'll take a, a break because I've been reading pretty steadily Harry mm-hmm. Potter and just kind of focus on comic books for probably a couple weeks. But gotcha. then I'll die. I'll, I'll reread for the third time Gunslinger, just nice. get another bearing of it. And then I'm going to power through the eight books because nice. I, I really want to get behind the mythology. Like I, I yeah. want to like this, right? Uh, this property. Mm-hmm. It's just, I. It's funny. I was walking out of the theater and I, I texted you this. Yeah. Explain. Expand on this. Okay. So I was very interested to hear this. I I walked out of the theater and I noticed this guy get up and leave uh, just as soon as Walter is shot and killed. Okay. So he he gets up and just leaves. Okay. So I'm walking out of the theater. That's a good point to leave at. (laughs) uh, 
to do my usual, I paid six bucks for this drink. I'm going to refill it. Nice. Uh, refill it move. So I'm walking out and head towards there, and he's standing in the lobby, and he looks at me as I'm walking out. He goes, so is it over yet? And I go, <laughs> yeah. And he goes, just shakes his head. and goes, what a pile of garbage. And I was like, yeah, it was pretty terrible. And he just he just like goes into it. He's like, man, I've been reading these books since I was eight years old. I was so excited Jeez. for this, and this is the bullshit that they give. I'm like, Cool. Yeah. I'm sorry, man. I'm gonna get my coke now. <laughs> but yeah, I just yeah. I felt for the guy. I really yeah. did. Oh yeah, because he, like, he 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 legit just looked like ashamed. Yeah. So I uh, and like and I can't I can't even I can't even grasp how how it affected him because I've I read the books for the first time like I started reading them in. Uh, 2010. So I'm only like yeah. seven years into my fandom for it. This guy looked um, probably about my age. Okay. So around there in his, okay. in his 30s, probably. Mm-hmm. So I mean, he. Yeah. But he's got like, you know, so much more time on me and so many other people. Like, people have been reading this series right. for 30 years. And it's like, yeah. Did, St- Did Stephen King see the movie? Because he. he- he made some comments defending the... He did, and the important thing to note is that Stephen King... Shameless self-promoter. <laughs> he, sort of, but also he he um, he tends to like things a lot, or not necessarily like things a lot, but he he's so forgiving for every um, adaptation that, that's made of his work. You know what, though? I, I can appreciate that because... Mm-hmm. This is a man that, or and it could be true to be said about anybody that is mm-hmm. in uh, the you know creative atmosphere. Right. They've created something that someone has loved enough to want to yeah. adapt it to. Ad- so I can kind of see that he's like he's like the anti mm-hmm. of uh, oh man uh, I can't believe I'm flaking on his name, but the the writer of the Watchmen uh, series. Oh oh, uh, I'm gonna show my comic book ignorance. Not. Oh, Frank Miller? No, or Mark Millar? Not, no, not Frank Miller. Mark Millar. Um, uh, yeah, I've got nothing then. Oh my God, I know his name. I can't think of it. I, I know the name of the artist, Dan Gibbons. Uh, yeah, and it's kind of bugging me that I can't. did. The writer of it also just do something called Jerusalem. Ah, uh, uh, what? Jerusalem. That doesn't sound familiar to me. Well, it's this area that Alamore. Oh yeah, Alamore. Anyway, Alamore has is notorious for hating every adaptation of anything that he's ever written. Mm -hmm. Uh, Basically, his his thought is that I I was perfect, and if you think you can improve upon perfection, then fuck off. Right. So, like Zack Snyder was quoted as saying once that you know if my my greatest hope would be that Alamore's sitting around and just catches my movie one day because he's bored on a Sunday Mm -hmm. and he thinks to himself. Eh, that one bad. And Al Moore's <laughs> response was like, he's he's fooling himself if he thinks I'd ever give this. And it's just like a total, like, fuck you to Zach Schneider. I'm like, man, calm, calm down, buddy. But he was the same way with, like, for V for Vendetta. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, Swamp Thing and uh, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which I'll give him The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. That was a horrible, horrible movie. Sure. But... But yeah, Stephen King sounds like he's like anti. Yeah, and it's and I mean it's weird because like he he hates like he hates the Kubrick movie. Uh, oh really? Right. Yeah, he he hates it. Um, and uh, part of the like like I think that well, it is just conspiracy movie talking about how we never landed on the Jesus moon. Christ. So yeah, exactly. But um, 
he's he's gone on record saying he just didn't didn't care for that at all, which is mind boggling to me now because I think his reason is that it, it's because it doesn't it's not like uh, like Jack Nicholson is already crazy when he gets to the hotel and it's it's not about him going crazy. It's just this crazy guy who's who's mm. amplifying his crazy. I see. I've never read the book, but I love the movie. Yeah, I love both of them. Uh, the Shining is like my was my entry point to Stephen King. Oh really? Yeah. Oh, I it was the first Stephen King book I read, and it's it's amazing. Um, and I get his criticisms of it and everything, but what I don't understand is how he can uh approve the Dark Tower when. I mean, and I've I've said this before. I've honed this comparison down since I last recorded it last night. But the idea of Roland Deschane, the last gunslinger from the line of Eld, him in in the books from the first line to the last line, and throughout the four thousand two hundred plus pages in between, the that character is devoted to like his quest is to go to the tower to preserve his dying world. That is, but Roland not to get revenge, not to get revenge. It's like his, like he, he's like his ka. Not that anyone would know what the fuck that word means because it wasn't in the movie. <laughs> That's what the but, birds say, right? Like ka, <laughs> right? ka. Jesus Christ. Um, but his entire purpose is to go to the tower to try to preserve his dying world. And they made this movie about Roland Deschain wanting to kill the man in black, not giving two shits about the tower or nothing about preserving the tower, nothing about his, his, what makes him arguably Stephen King's most complex and tragic and, and complicated character. And it's not there at all. And that is the biggest like, fuck you to anyone who's read and enjoyed those books. You know, um, maybe King made some comments because it hasn't released yet, and he's trying that, not to I be detrimental yeah. to the movie. Because um, I'm sure he's got a deal where he gets a share of the oh, yeah. quote-unquote profits. Right. Uh, but Jesus. maybe that was it, and maybe like a year from now he'll come out and be like, man. Yeah. Ugh. But the comparison that I make, the, the kind of analogy that I make is that imagine if – as okay, um, if you if you don't know the Dark Tower mythos or the book series or anything, like imagine it if imagine if Peter Jackson went in and and created or adapted Fellowship of the Ring, didn't have the other books planned or anything, just was doing the first one, cut it down to ninety five minutes, and made the quest to destroy the ring not about not about Frodo taking the taking the ring to Mount Doom to to. Uh, to destroy it and everything, but his quest is to go after uh, Saruman. Sauron. No, no, no. Oh, Saruman. Yeah. Okay. Um, because Saruman killed some some hobbits, and he wants to kill him for it. And then Sar- Sauron is only referenced in graffiti. Oh, okay. In like so two scenes. Sauron's the Crimson King. Then. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, I, I. <laughs> Walked out of the movie thinking that uh, Jackie Earl Ray was the Crimson King. Oh yeah, Jackie Earl Haley. Haley, so yeah. Earl Ray. No. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought he was the the Crimson King. They, they, I feel like there was a point where they're like, "Oh, he had the Crimson King," and they go to his scene. I was like, "Oh, I'm the Crimson King." Oh yeah. I was like he doesn't look like anything. He doesn't look kingly or crimson. Man. Right. No, he's what's called a cantoy, which again, not in the movie. Um, and he is <laughs> also his character's his character name is Richard P. Sayer. 
they only reference him as rich or as 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 Sayer in the movie. And then there's one scene where Matthew McConaughey is like, "All right, Dicky boy." It's like mm. you didn't establish that his name is Richard, right, so, so that doesn't make any goddamn sense. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can we talk about my most hated part? Yes, of the movie? go right ahead. Go. So, I, te- I I texted I texted Matt after the movie about mm. how terrible it was, and I told him that the the worst part of the movie was for me where Matthew McConaughey's character is on uh, is in Keystone Earth cooking chicken in Jake's right. parents' kitchen, and he makes a comment of, "Oh, I love chicken. They don't have this on my world." And then they go to. Uh, the Midworld, mm-hmm. where there's this big fight scene in the village, and what do they fucking show? A close-up of a goddamn chicken. Right. And I saw that chicken, I was like, what <laughs> are they doing? There is clearly a chicken. You even took, like, it wasn't even the background. It was like right. full-fledged frame of a chicken. I feel like the filmmakers were being meta, because if you look at the movie as a whole... Every single Stephen King Easter egg was not an Easter egg. It was just a prominent, like... Yeah, I was like, here's oh, Pennywise. Hey. Yeah, there's Pennywise. Here's a St. Bernard. That's Cujo. Here's this kid playing with a with car. That's, that's Christine. Where was uh, St. Bernard? Uh, it's in the... Uh, walking down the street, or walking down the sidewalk, sidewalk nah, in New York. I don't remember. Yeah, well, the camera focuses on it for, like, a good three seconds. Uh, it does. <laughs> yeah, and so I feel like maybe this is... This is the filmmaker's version of of the Blue close milk. up of the no, well, maybe but no uh like this is the version this is the filmmaker's version of basically doing a future easter egg by saying like hey here's here's a shot of a chicken remember when yeah. the man in black said that there were no chickens here's an easter egg for you Ugh. uh yeah, yeah. I don't know why. It just made me so angry. Yeah. Like, the whole point, well, like, they just made a point to be like, we don't have chickens in Red World. Right. So there's a fucking chicken right there. Let me ask you this. Do they ever explain the uh, why of why the man in black wants the tower? Because I feel like they're just <laughs> like, yeah, I want this t- tower to fall. Why? Yeah, I'm bored. Um, the funny thing is that that's not like his, that's not really his purpose in the books. Like he's just he's a sorcerer that like the entire like the gunslinger is Roland chasing after um, chasing after Walter because he he needs to get information from him on, on how gotcha. to get to the tower. So do they ever explain why the Crimson King wants they things do destroyed? they do okay. and uh, and it makes and it makes sense and it's interesting and everything it's a, it's a little silly just a little bit well, don't, some of it don't I'm not going to spoil it but. Um, some of it gets a little silly in general, but it's it's explained. But that was another thing that just they, bothered me. You you yeah. have no background as no. to what Matthew McConaughey's motives are. Right. Like, okay, I understand he wants to destroy the tower mm-hmm. and bring death upon. But why? Yeah. There's no why. Well, there was a a brief explanation that I actually enjoyed. This scene when when uh, Jake had drawn the tower in in the in the, in the dirt. Um, there you're, are beams love, in there. You're a good drawler. I drew a circle and some spokes. Calm right, down, Roland. Right. <laughs> um, and then Roland has that, what I thought was maybe one of the standouts of the movie was when he took that spider and he's like explaining like the tower, um, the tire, the, the, uh, the tower holds existence 
it, like he explained it like it's a, it's a bubble like a force field around all of all of the universe that's keeping out um, what in the books is referred to as Todash space. That's just space outside the universe that's populated by monsters. Mm. And so in the movie, it's the tower is keeping keeping that at bay, and the Man in Black wants to destroy the tower so that so that the darkness and and the monsters can come in, and he can just he can reign he can he can. Uh, reign a world of monsters like like he can be in charge of a world of monsters which that i i liked that in the movie like it's different from it's different from the description in the books about about the tower and everything but it's different enough to where uh it makes sense and it makes for an interesting an interesting thing okay that is the only part of the fucking movie where roland shows any any knowledge of there being a tower <laughs> any any hope for wanting to preserve it or anything and it's it's exposition <laughs> but i loved the imagery of him having like a giant ass spider yeah. at the edge of it because spiders like famously stephen king incorporates spiders in a ton of shit mm. and like he's like if if you see a picture of his house uh like he has iron gates that have spiders like spiders in the oh, and nice. iron gates yeah uh so that was a nice touch but but yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so let let's go through the movie a little bit, and you say something that wasn't explained, and maybe I can I don't know if shed the light shed some light in because you'll be reading it, but I can just I can just be angry about how not explained it was. Is it called Shine in the books? No. No, it's not called The Shine, which I didn't have a problem with them changing it because um, cause it's it's a nod to Stephen King. Um, Is that, but the, I feel like that's a pretty weird nod because yeah. The Shine was a pretty large, pretty significant point of the movie. Right. Like, they're, like we're after the kids with Shine. Yeah. 95-minute movie, they said the word Shine probably... And that was probably like forty percent of the fucking yeah. dialogue. So I, I feel like that's yeah. a little disservice of an Easter egg because it, it you're is. really it making a prominent is. point. In the yeah, in 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 the books, it's called the touch, and it's not that it's not necessarily the same. It's not like psychic abilities or anything like that. I mean, it it is. It's like it's different a little bit, but um, like at no point in the book series is Jake like he doesn't have it in in. They're trying to get him to to. Use use it to get out so of they're the tower. not trying to take Jake to the the secret layer in no, the books. There's none of that in the books, not even close to it. And one of the things that pissed me off was that let's let's talk about the scene where he trains him to to shoot a gun. Yeah, yeah, um, fucking stupid. Yeah, horrible. Um, yeah, like I liked it in the trailer because I thought like, oh, he's going to train him to be a gunslinger. That's awesome. But like, they do the gunslinger creed. Which I still get chills hearing Idris Elba say it, but it's a good creed. Yeah, it is. But you know, in, it's not like they wrote it. Yeah, Same exactly. It. So they're doing it and everything, and I'm thinking like, oh shit, because like, oh god, Jake's gonna be a gunslinger. He's like, this is him taking him under his wing and stuff. And he's gonna train him to be a gunslinger and everything. And then like after all of that, Roland's just like, uh, your weapon is the shine. I I have the guns. <laughs> have the like, guns. What the fuck? Why is even the point? Why even show him the guns? Yeah. And then, and then, fucking, god damn it, that ending, that fucking ending. Dude, it's like Roland and Jake off into yep. a world with adventures. Yes. And what pissed me off about that, like, I liked the hot dog line. I, I thought it was funny. I yeah, thought it was, was kind of right. cute. But, uh, like, between Roland 
actually saying to him, like, you have nothing to live for here. Let's go to, let's right. go to this place. You're like, shit, road. here, come with me. Yeah. Let's forget that you have a friend who has a family that right. will likely take you in. But uh, that, and then he's like, why don't you come with me? Doesn't explain why. Doesn't explain yeah. Where are we going to go? What do we have left to do? Yeah. And they don't even have the fucking budget to show them go through the portal at the end because it's a fucking <laughs> reshoot. God. And how much of the gunslinger do you remember? Do you remember I, in terms of plot? Because I don't want to spoil anything. I remember uh, pretty well the start of it, him going through the desert. I, mm-hmm. I have a very good memory of the uh, when he encounters the town because I love that part. I would yeah. love to have seen the big uh, gunfight. And that was in, in the, the original. Town. That was in the 2014 draft of the was script. Was it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And not only was it in the script, it was like one of the first scenes with Roland. So it's like a very good, like introduction to him right and everything and man like the man in black fled across the desert and the gunslinger followed that's like a pivotal line in stephen king's career right and it's like he says that it's like the best sentence he's ever written in a book um and it's very important um arguably the second most important or equally most important line in the entire series is jake saying go then there are other worlds than these I remember reading that line for the first time. I remember knowing the emotional impact of it. I remember how how um how emotional it was and how how impactful it was. Um but in the movie we get him screaming at the man in black, "You killed my mom." <laughs> and it's so flat and anticlimactic and stupid. And they didn't even have the budget to show her dead body. They had a pile of ashes. Pile of ashes. It was symbolic. She yes. burned. I I was I thought it was ridiculous the turn in Jake. I was like, oh, I'm so mad and sulky now because all you want is revenge. And all right, let's go buy some guns. Right? Let's yeah, go, exactly. Let's go get some guns. Like, oh no. Uh, your brother uh, DM'd me after he saw the movie, and uh, he made the comparison that's been made several times, and it's not. I mean, it's an accurate comparison. Unfortunately, uh, let's see. Peter said. I just left the Dark Tower. I literally have no words. It's like they took some generic young adult novel that couldn't sell on its own, threw in some half-assed gunslinger references in, plus the fucking Shining for God knows what reason, (laughs) and called it Dark Tower. Jesus, that was awful. And then he, uh, and then he said, even as a standalone film, it was pretty generic. For some reason, it made me think of Last Action Hero, except Last Action Hero was entertaining. Oh man, yeah, that's a good call. Yeah, and it's it's just like that. I and. I hated the big hug between him and Roland. I'm like, that was just over the top. I don't remember. Right? Yeah, he like jumps into Roland's arms. I forget at what point he does it, but he has. Was it when he when his mom was dead? No, no. It was, I feel like it was a joyous hug. I can't remember. Oh, probably when he killed the man in black. And it could be. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. God damn it. And. I wasn't impressed with any of the action sequence at all. To be really? like the the one at night was just they did a poor job of lighting mm-hmm. that entire sequence. Sixty million dollar budget. Yeah. No. Well, all right, but like but there that was, doesn't excuse it. No, you're, yeah. Th- there were some flashes of fun mm-hmm. in the uh, the big scene uh, before he makes it to the portal, mm-hmm. but even then, uh, most of that fight was really convoluted and hard to. Like, Do you mean in in the village or no in the, in the Dixie pig in the Dixie pig okay so like you'd see Roland yeah. jump from one side of the building to the other and then the ship was destroyed I I don't know it was hard to follow yeah. what the hell was going on there and then the the big climactic 
God the damn kill. it. That yeah. pissed me off so much because of physics. Yep. Okay? Mm-hmm. You... It's impossible. You can't <laughs> shoot one bullet and then shoot another to have it ricochet. You've already shot one. It's not going to catch up, especially after you ricochet off something else. Yep. That's fucking retarded. <laughs> that made me almost as mad as the physics uh, nonsense in gravity. Oh, and the only reason yeah. gravity makes me more right. mad is because that's based. That was supposed to be a based on science, right. and, but that was just so fucking stupid. It was. It was. I. I will. I will cop to that. It was really stupid. That. That made me so mad. And what's so frustrating about that is that they. And granted, you know that this is coming throughout the movie, but like. Like again, one of like I remember finishing the Gunslinger for the first time. I remember exactly where I was. I remember exactly what copy I have. I I was reading. I don't have that copy anymore. Loaned it, never got it back. But I was reading that at work. Finished it, and like the ending of the Gunslinger has such beautiful, beautiful imagery because the Man in Black and Roland are are having their palaver. They're talking about it, and like it's basically setting up the series and setting up the next book and setting up all of the mythology and explaining stuff about the tower. And it's like, it's so amazing the way that it's detailed and everything, but no, we get a fucking half-assed gunfight where fucking the man in black stops bullets like Neo, then takes them in and throws throws them them back back at him, which is so stupid. Uh, because the the conflict with the man in black is that he's not he's not like a war like they're not he's not warriors yeah they're not warriors they're not like he's not in a battle with Roland he is orchestrating things behind the scenes he's putting things in place he's I mean he's Randall Flagg from the stand literally and it's and it's uh and also his fucking powers first of all you're you a can't. wizard Walter <laughs> exactly like. It it felt like they didn't know how to do it without special effects, and then they saw um, Jessica Jones and saw David Tennant and was like, let's have <laughs> him do that, what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, stop breathing. Don't speak. Hate. Um, yeah, the hate. And so all they did was the girl gives him like, some monster yeah. look. Like, hate. Because se- I, I saw this movie twice. The second time I saw it, the entire time I was sitting there, I was like, in my head... I was imagining how I would take this movie and cut together, like as a challenge, cut together a trailer for a movie that would be much better and much truer. So like that, he wouldn't say hate. It would just be a quick shot of him passing by the bench and then her turning, like her eyes darkening and and it being very ominous and stuff to show like he is, like he just spreads hate and and destruction everywhere he goes like because you don't need him to literally fucking say don't breathe or stop breathing and yeah uh, yep so what did you think of roland's introduction and dennis haysbert in that scene wait which part the uh the scene the first scene that we get of roland to shane you know the central figure of all the dark tower books you know one of the most uh complex and and uh complicated um characters in all of Stephen King's uh, uh, bibliography 25 minutes into the movie when we see him for the first yeah. time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so in the scene, it's the end of a war um, that they don't go into detail about. Um, yeah, you have no idea. Yeah, you have no background nothing. whatsoever. What are we fighting about? Right. Who's the enemy here? They say it's something to do with the tower, but 
it doesn't explain what it was. It's not true to the to the books at all. It's it's just a and like the big climactic death. The reason you're seeking revenge mm-hmm. is stop breathing. Stop breathing, and he's done. Yeah. Like, like so stupid. Really? And in that scene, it's not even fucking established that he is Roland's dad. No, you don't even find that out till later. He's you just don't. Like, okay, they're comrades. Yeah. I guess. And then it was like he killed my father. Right. And then the the scene of the battlefield with the one guy <laughs> like on the ground that looks like is it's a, it's a civil war reenactment. It really did. It yeah. looked that terrible. was the feeling I got was yeah horrible. Yeah. I, and then no explanation about why why Roland can resist the man in black's magic. Like, like it just, they just tell us like, Oh, you can't, you can resist my magic. All right. So I've kept this bullet for a, a long right. time because you can't, cause you can resist me. Yep. Yeah. Uh, God damn that movie. I also hated the, that stupid air reload. I oh, hate, yeah. I hate that. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, People said it looked cheesy. I thought it looked kind of cool. I thought the the battle in the Dixie Pig. I thought that was pretty cool. That was I, that that was the one shining moment. I of thought the movie they there me. was. I, I didn't think they cut it together well. I I, I thought yeah. it was very convoluted and. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like I thought the the uh, the battle in the village was better. Oh really? I did. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. And it, it wasn't yeah. great though. No, like, it still no. wasn't great. Yeah. Like I just thought it was better. Right. So it's like for me the battle of the Dixie Pig. <laughs> it's like it's like I'm examining like a bunch of different piles of shit that are put <laughs> together and then this one's like oh there's some corn in that one. Um that's why it or was like different. The, the famous Billy Madison line. Here's a nice pile of shit. <laughs> right. I, but I I mean I liked it. It it like that there it was like an assemblage of different shots uh both bang bang and you know action shots um uh an assemblage of shots that weren't cut together that well but some of them were like really impressive like that shot where he shoots the guy through the scope i thought that was that, really that cool. was that was cool I'll, yeah. g- I'll give them that that was a, that was a cool shot yeah um, and just seeing idris elba you know maneuver around and 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 basically take command of his weapons and stuff i thought like i thought he like he had that presence to him that yeah he does I love Idris Elba commands your attention no mm-hmm. matter where what you're seeing him in absolutely he just has that presence on the screen he's fantastic yep. he's he's a pleasure to watch mm-hmm. it's just a shame he was given shit material absolutely and like if they if they reboot it at some point if they redo it at some point and they do it right it's gonna suck that it's not gonna be Idris Elba because right he deserves a really good script for this movie because he could be amazing i know some fucking (laughs) white guy dear god if they if they get scott eastwood i will fucking burn that one of the people are always like oh the only reason that people say scott eastwood should play roland is because he is clint eastwood's son and the major um influence for roland deshane was uh clint was clint eastwood and like the man with no name trilogy that's gotcha. the only reason because he looks like clint eastwood not the fact that he is a terrible actor 
I don't um, know that I've ever even seen I'm sure I've seen something where he's been in it. I've seen a couple of movies. I can't remember what one of them are, but I saw him in the most recent Fast and Furious movie, uh, which granted yeah, I haven't seen. isn't like the most isn't the pinnacle of acting or anything, but he was what? just yeah, he was just so bland and, and just not interesting. He would have fit well in this movie. Like <laughs> if he was if he was rolling in this movie and then eventually we get another movie where uh, where Idris Elba is in it and they do it right. That would be great. Apparently he was in okay. Gran Torino. I don't remember who he was in Gran Torino. But... Oh, yeah. Oh, he was huh. in uh, Suicide Squad. Another bland Was movie. he really? Yeah. Oh, God. He was in Snowden. Huh. Apparently I've seen him oh, in, yeah, a, lot he was of, in a lot of good things. Yeah. But you don't really remember him or anything. Yeah, that's right. Very memorable. He's yeah. in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, what else? What do you think of the Roland in New York stuff? The last action hero bits. Uh, it was forgettable. Yeah, like the 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 hospital scene was kind of amusing. Yeah, I I loved that because it was a nice nod to something in the books. I yeah. won't give away anything, but it was I that may have actually been my favorite part of the movie, just because it wasn't a, an overt Easter egg like. Like, it wasn't like when they're going through the fucking portal in the village, and then the guy literally says, like, remember this number. Right. Yeah. yeah. It was 1408, and the only reason they need to remember is because it's a Stephen it, King reference. I was going to say, even I, I got that Stephen King reference. Yeah. And it's like, it's not, it's not like remember, they were ever... Remember this, wink, 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 yeah. number. Right. It's like, remember this number because you'll need it to get back. No part of the plan was them coming back to that right. to that portal, like at all. The should, plan was to go to the fucking Dixie Pig and stuff. They should have had like a Brooks was here thing or a Stephen yeah. King was here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So let's talk about why, like the what happened. Like as a, from a studio standpoint, like I've read a lot of the production, and everything. What do you think happened? Because I think that they took a property hoping mm-hmm. to get bu- big bucks off of it, mm-hmm. thought that they could play off the name and Mm -hmm. throw together a movie, minimal amounts of money and make profits. Yep. And if it was a $60 million budget, it'll probably profit once the overseas markets come through. Yeah. I don't know what the worldwide box office is and it still needs to open in some other territories in a week or two. Yeah. And like DVD sales will, uh, for whatever reason, no matter how shitty a movie is, they always make DVD sales. Are you going to buy it? I'm, you s- don't. Just I, don't. You don't. Why? Are you going to watch it again? Probably. I mean, you know, hey, you own The Phantom Menace. I get some enjoyment out of The Phantom Menace. I like the hospital scene in, so in the So YouTube down. the hospital in scene. In the Dixie Pig. <laughs> um, no. Uh, well, I need it for my project to make a decent trailer out of it. Fair enough. And it's a dark tower. I have the Funko Pops. It's the Funko Pops are fine. Man. You know, he Roland Duchesne uh, with Idris Elba makes a great Funko Pop. He does. That's yeah. great. And, and that's the only Funko Pop uh, Roland that you can own. But turns right. out there's other variations of the Dark Tower you can own. Maybe not. That's true. Maybe not cinematic. I and it's funny because I I do still want the uh, movie tie-in edition of of the gunslinger oh, just to have it in my collection. 
and uh, and they do have man, they have that new box like for years for the last seven years i've been saying like i fucking wish that the dark tower had a complete box set that was all the cover art was all uniform and everything because uh like i collected the illustrated editions and since the since the publication dates were so staggered like the first four books were released up until like 90s uh, early 90s i think 92 93 and then there was a there was a big hiatus from releasing from publishing books of it and so the last three books were just pumped out like he he wrote them after his accident in the early oh, okay. 2000s um so like he sat down and was like i'm finishing the dark tower and so he wrote the last three books so like those and i think he changed publishers or something something happened there so they look different from the first four and uh and yeah it's just it's and now they have like this really nice box set that it looks it looks okay, so good. Buy, buy the literature. I, I want uh, to. I want to. Don't buy the movie. It's something dark, and I also want to, you know, get the deleted scenes and and. Oh, I'm sure they're gonna be see, great. Yeah, and I want to see how they uh, justify themselves. <laughs> if there's a commentary, I, you know what? On I was it. gonna say I'd be curious to listen to the commentary in your shoes. Yeah, yeah. That's about it. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's the Dark Tower. It's fair enough. Yeah, you know, I didn't, I didn't buy the most recent Ninja Turtle movie. You know why? Because a giant pile of garbage. That's fair. I love the Ninja Turtles, but right. I will not support garbage. That's fair. That's fair. That's but fair. Anyway, but yeah, um, Jake also was a terrible kid actor. I'm sorry. You you thought so? I oh, thought he dude, was thought, one of the strongest oh, parts of the movie. No, really. No. I thought anything was, in particular that you didn't like? Just bland. Mm-hmm. You're going to like it on Earth a lot. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Cool story, bro. <laughs> Tell me again. What I what I liked about him is he felt like he was... If you let the tower fall, <laughs> my world will die. Uh-huh. He's not as awful as the stepfather actor. Well, the stepfather actor didn't even have anything to do. He just like comes in for one line of dickish commentary yeah. and then leaves. Right. <laughs> I'm gonna come in, Jake. You're gonna do what you don't want to do because I like your hot mom's ass. Right. I'll see you later. His mom was so oh, hot. She's smoking hot. Catherine Winnick. Smoking hot. Get it? So smoking. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. But yeah, she was she was super she's hot. A she was girl. in. She was in another movie, um, I, Amusement, I, I think. I looked her. I I've never seen her or anything. I looked no. her IMDb stuff up uh, when I got back from the movie, but mm-hmm. yeah, she's super hot. But um, and like, ugh, god damn it, that movie! Yes. Like the production. Like this is why I don't follow production, like news and stuff. I bet that everything. entire production was a giant shit show. I. I mean, for the mere fact yeah. that this movie was supposed to launch back in February, mm-hmm. you didn't get a trailer for this. Until like big May. budget summer film or film until like two months out from mm-hmm. the film. I and then I they even pushed was... it one. They pushed it back one week to swap it with the emoji movie, so that the emoji movie would have an extra week in the summer for the kids. Like that's how much. That's how little faith they had in this movie. And like it felt like and I and 
it felt like they had the rights to something and they were going to lose the rights, so they put out this well, terrible product. Sony's kind of infamous for that anyway. I mean, mm-hmm. that, that's why they rebooted Spider-Man because they're about to right? lose the lose the rights. So they. Yeah. And to be fair, I actually enjoy the first Amazing Spider-Man. The, the sure, second one's kind of a mess, mm-hmm. but that's the only reason they made it, and not yeah. it. The, right, it, right. I didn't mean to emphasize it as in right. like the movie. It. <laughs> so confusing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the knights who say knee would probably never watch that movie. <laughs> you get that nice. joke? I do. Okay, all right. Yeah. Um, but no, e- even Fox is guilty of that. That That's why they made the shit uh, Fantastic Four movies, because right. they're losing the rights to that, too. And yeah. as a fuck you to uh, Fox, Marvel canceled the comic book. Right. Yeah, didn't they just recently like come out and like didn't someone come out and like confirm like yeah that's yeah but we know it. we knew yeah the, the, we also know that's why they killed off Wolverine mm-hmm. in, in the comic books because they want the rights back for for Logan okay uh, so it, Mar- Marvel wants their characters back and I, mm. I feel bad for Marvel yeah because they sold off their characters to movie dis- distributors when there was a big dip in the comic book right. industry and so that's how they're but making they're the money, doing but. okay. Are, yeah, comic wise, are they doing okay? Oh yeah, yeah, they're, yeah, they're okay. fine now. Shit, yeah. they're pumping out more comics than like. There's comic books that they're pumping out that I I wonder like who's who's reading this shit <laughs> because like random ass characters that you mm-hmm. never even think of or, or they have their own comic book. Okay, and it just it boggles my mind. Like Did someone actually picked that up. Someone was that intrigued <laughs> by this character. That they, I mean, more power to them. Yeah. I've never judged anyone for the comic books that right. they read. But yeah, the the comic in, industry for Marvel and anybody else is doing is doing just fine. Nice. So, but yeah, and it's a shame that you know now they're trying to put the pieces of their universe back together, mm-hmm. and it, it's a struggle. You know, Fox yeah. has had major success with X Men, so they're not yeah. gonna they're not gonna willingly just say, "Hey, have this billion dollar franchise back. We don't mm-hmm. want it anymore." And Sony's right. not gonna do the same thing, even though they have yet to strike gold since Spider Man Two. Right, right. So, you know, they, they just keep swinging and missing. Um, <laughs> Swing and Oh, missing. shit, yeah. Nice. Didn't, yeah, I didn't even know what nice. I was doing there. <laughs> awesome. Good job, yeah. me. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, th- they still, I'm sure those movies are still profitable to an extent. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty sure even The Amazing Spider-Man 2 grossed probably $200 million yeah. domestically. Right. So it, it's they're still profitable, and they're yeah. not about to shove a profitable franchise away. Right. And, um but I don't know with the Dark Tower. I don't. I don't know that the rights were about to expire. I don't know that they had a time limit on that. They at probably all. didn't. They just probably were looking for. Let's be honest. What What does Sony have out lately? Yeah, nothing. So they they're probably going through the bin. Like, what can yeah. we make? But why not? Like, how do studio executives? How do they not look at this? Like, hey. Look at the most successful shit that's out there now. Like, look at how massively successful Lord of the Rings was. Look how successful Game of Thrones is. Like these these mythologies and these these very uh, these genre based uh, um, mythologies and stuff. Like, why try to cut so many corners? Like, well, I know it's a huge it's, investment. It's, it's profits. Uh, yeah, you know, it's it's all got, it's all about dollars. I'm sure there's some kind of formula that some algorithm mm-hmm. they have where they can determine, you know, what can we invest in this time wise yeah. and passion wise, and is it would it be worth it for us to stake four years into a production process right. to make fans happy, or do we want to shit this product out and make? A profit, mm-hmm. you know. What what do our stockholders want? You know, right. they, they want to see 
they want to see profits. So mm-hmm. what are we going to do? We're going to give them some shit profits. What I wish is that like the business side of Hollywood would actually see a movie and um, like know that you well, know they don't care. Yeah. I, I just they're they're businessmen. They're not yeah. in it for the art. They're in it for the business. And I I I get it. Yeah, and that's a classic struggle between right. Hollywood and stuff. It has more characterization than the it's, motivation of the movie. It's just it's. <laughs> relieving to see you know when peter jackson was pitching mm-hmm. lord of the rings he was pitching it to movie studios as two movies because he, right. d- he didn't think anyone would invest that mm-hmm. much time and effort into it until he took it to new line and new line was like well it's three books why, why aren't we making those three movies mm-hmm. so it's it's nice when you know a movie studio will back a passion yeah. project yeah and it's and i'm yeah, and I'm and I'm not I'm not delusional. Like, yeah, I'm upset that you know I'm not gonna get that. I'm not gonna get the Dark Tower to jump over to my favorite medium, um, in either in the movie in either either in movies or TV shows or both the way that I wanted to. I'm not I'm not crazy. I know that that's. I know how incredibly unlikely it is to happen. Like Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson being able to make the Lord of the Rings movies. Like all at once, and like them, th- like that is unheard of. That was a gamble. That was a yeah. huge. And you know, to be to be fair, mm-hmm. that was stupid of New Line. Oh, absolutely. It, it was like you oh, you yeah. want to film three three hour movies consecutively and mm-hmm. release them a year apart. Fuck off. Yeah. Once yeah. I see how much it's going to cost to do right. all the uh, special effects, yeah. but they did it, mm-hmm. and it became a massive massive success. Yeah. Um, balls to the person that made the decision oh, yeah. to greenlight all that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, same with Game of Thrones. You know, yeah. it's like, oh, we have this unfinished book property that, right. and you, you want to just do a multi-season, multi-million dollar per episode mm-hmm. TV series? Oh, fuck it, do it, all right. Yeah. And it turns out to be one of the most popular TV shows in history. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. It, it's all a gamble and like... But, I you mean, know, like, so, Sony gambled on the Center of Six and trying to make a Spider-Man mm-hmm. universe and it collapsed on itself. So, you know, there's yeah. failures two that are just as detrimental as those are profitable so yeah and oddly enough they all are at sony um yeah. <laughs> I, I and think, fox but i know. think it, it comes down honestly not to sound quirky but mm-hmm. love love for what you're yeah. doing because look look mm-hmm. at marvel they've established the movie studio and brought the characters they've mm-hmm. created to life yeah and it's full of passion and love yeah. with the Kevin people feige most- has an encyclopedic knowledge right. of, of the source material. Same yeah. with Peter Jackson and Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. It, he was just a huge diehard fan of the mm-hmm. books at, since he was a child. So, and he brings the the project to life, and he there's love in it, mm-hmm. and you can you can just you can tell when that passion's in the film, and mm-hmm. it, it certainly wasn't there. And right, uh, yeah, and. And that's what's that's why one of the reasons why I was so excited about the movie and I, I had I was optimistic about it was that Nikolai Arcel is a huge fan of the books, the well, director. It sounds like he just wasn't given any Exactly a, any support from the studio. Yeah. The 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 problem was that he is this was his first Hollywood movie and he does not have the weight to throw around to veto yeah. stupid things like he doesn't have like <laughs> he's not he's not uh Spielberg uh telling the telling the guy what a funny joke it was to name 
Back to the Future zombie or monsters from Mars or whatever, or space monsters from Mars or whatever. Did you know? No. Did you know about that? No. Oh, there was a. There, it's a famous anecdote, and they actually have a picture of the actual note that uh, during production of Back to the Future, one of the producers, I don't remember who it was. Um, sent a note to them, like a memo saying like, Hey, I really, I really love what you guys are doing and stuff. Um, I had a note though. Do you think you should, I think we should change the name back to the future because that doesn't really make sense and change it to, um, space monsters from Mars or, or something, whatever, whatever the comic was that the kid was reading, um, when he goes back to 1955 and he, he crashes into old man Peabody's barn. Um, cause that would be great because that shows like that looks just like him or, uh, it says like, it would be a nice little like Easter egg for it and everything. Uh, like why the movie's titled that or something. Um, and yeah. And so, so Steven Spielberg who was producer in the movie, uh, got that and was like, okay guys, I'll, I'll take care of this. So he <laughs> sent a message or sent an email, not email, not an email, not an email, like called him up or whatever and said like, Hey man, that was a really funny joke. We got a huge kick out of that. <laughs> that was really great. We really appreciate that. We needed that levity or whatever. And then like the, the producer was so like, oh, yeah, just like, yeah, great. Uh huh. Um, yeah. So, but he doesn't have like Nikolai yeah, doesn't, doesn't have, have that kind that. of pull. Yeah, no, and, and it's unfortunate. Um, it is, it is. But then again, Sony probably you know was thoughtful in hiring somebody they knew they could keep the reins on, uh, right? Yeah, and make the movie they thought needed to be made. So, mm-hmm. yep, it's a shame. But I did, I did have a, a fairly lengthy conversation with uh, one of my former coworkers uh, today. Um, and I was telling him about the dark tower and how just God awful it was and my disappointment with it and everything. And he, <laughs> he said like this little nugget that I was like, this is, that's what I needed to hear. He said, if you think about it, we needed, or we kind of needed to have Batman forever and Batman and Robin before we got the dark Knight trilogy. And I'm like, Maybe not that yeah. comparable because Batman is like a fucking institution right. and everything. So there was always going to be another Batman movie at some point. But I mean, that's a good kind of vibe to put out in the universe. Right. Hope. Yeah. Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The funny thing, though, is that fucking Akiva Goldsman wrote Batman and Robin. <laughs> so, yeah. Really? Ugh. But man, Nipples. this series could be so great, right? <laughs> well, it's, it could be so great. It, it still can be. It can, be, yeah. You know, the, there was a Lord of the Rings was made in in a uh, cartoon in right. the eighties. Mm-hmm. So, it, who knows? Somewhere down the yeah. line, you might get what you're hoping for, right? And I and I hope so. And I had such a vivid idea of how I wanted this movie to go, and what like it wouldn't be so bad if my thought process and my my expectations for it were too high and that i couldn't i was that what i wanted blinded what i got like it wouldn't be that bad but no what we got was a steaming pile of shit watchmen came out what 2008 2009 somewhere around there and they're already push uh you know plug in a miniseries for hbo true so maybe Maybe that's the future of this franchise. Yeah. Maybe, and I, I honestly, that's where that's what it sounds like it needs to be. It's, yeah. It sounds like it needs to be in the hands mm-hmm. of a of a 
high budget yeah. uh, TV yeah. TV show. And so. man, we almost fucking had it. We almost had the perfect one before all of this, before Ron Howard was attached to it in 2010. We almost had the perfect people do it. And I mean, granted, they don't have the, like, they, like, in terms of the phantoms of their work and stuff, they don't have the biggest, uh, they made people unhappy with, with what they're most known for at the, at the time. But back in 2004, um, the triumvirate of J.J. Abrams, Damon Lindelof, and Carlton Cuse, who did Lost, uh, they bought the rights to The Dark Tower from Stephen King for $19, uh, which 19 is is a very significant yeah, number. Right. Yeah, um, for $19, and they were going to adapt it but they were too in love with the source material and they, that they couldn't crack it. Like they, they were too big a fans of it to, to adapt it. Sounds like a cop out to me. It, it does. That's yeah. like Peter oh, Jackson yeah. saying, like, Oh, I'm too vested in the source material. Like, yeah, exactly. Mm, no. Yeah. So they didn't do it. And it's like that, they, that's the, those are the people that you want heading that project. You don't want. Right. So I, yeah, it's a cop out. Yeah. It, I agree. I agree. But, but Yeah. People that love the series should be at the head of it. Like J.J. Abrams, like I'm gonna go remake New Hope first. <laughs> right, right. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I just wish. I just wish that that would have happened. I wish that that's what they followed Lost up with. Um, which Lost is like, and and there are uh, not like specific references to the Dark Tower and Lost, but like it's Stephen King is a huge influence on Lost. Yeah. Lost like Lost is kind of the uh before stranger things lost was like a really good stephen king show <laughs> um and stranger things took that like to 11 but ah, yeah oh and i didn't even think of that nice but, that really? was not intentional oh well yeah good job yeah um wow nice good job me <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um Dark Tower and stuff, man. Yeah. It's, it sucks. But in like I all I keep thinking is, man, if if they didn't and maybe maybe down the road they will, although they they double they're doubling down on the T V series thing. I, I saw that. Yeah. They and hired Glenn maybe, Mazzara. Maybe that's gonna be your end though. Maybe that's gonna be your end for a viable series. So I you know <laughs> You would think so, but <laughs> they butchered the source material so much that, like, I don't like that the Man in Black killed Stephen Deshane. I don't like that there was some some war that's not not uh, so none of that's in, in the book. No, I mean there is. Okay, so I've since I I finished reading the I finished my reread of the Dark Tower, which, by the way, are, you're not into audiobooks, are you? No, you'd okay. almost think I would be since yeah. my, I drive around all day. Right. But I I mean the audiobooks for the Dark Tower series are really good. I feel like with audiobooks you really have to be paying attention and yeah. and when I'm driving around I kind of have to be paying attention elsewhere. That's, that's true. That's true. So yeah. that's, eh. that's kind of my That's fair. So I listen to Taylor but, Taylor Swift then, you know, well, so my mind can wander. Nice. Nice. Wait, don't you listen to the podcast? I do. Oh, but, you know, it's, that's real nice. But real the pop, nice. you know, podcast. I, I'm not sitting there trying to. You're not see, following a plot or yeah, anything. yeah, a deep that's character yeah. stuff. So yeah, that's fair. But yeah. anyway, to answer your question and not answer your question, 
um, after finishing my reread, I started reading the comics because the way the comics are set up is the the first run of comics starts before the gunslinger. It it covers it begins with um, the sto- a storyline that's that's a flashback in another book, and then it goes past that to um, essentially what led to the world um, moving on. Um, which is a line in the movie that doesn't make any goddamn sense because they didn't explain it. But like Roland says, the world's moved on. And that's like a big thing in the books is that the world has moved on and that it's like it's a post-apocalyptic kind it's of like world. It's like the movie's just a bunch of collection of Easter eggs. Yeah. And that's know, exactly thrown how into it felt. a shit plot. So. Yeah. It felt, it felt like... It felt like the mythology were were part of the Stephen King Easter eggs. Like yeah. that's how it felt, and that's such a travesty. But um, but the comics cover like the lead up to the world moving on and the end of the gunslingers and everything. And it's like I'm sitting there reading it, and I'm thinking in my head about all of the. Um, and granted, like it's not as deep a mythology as the comparison I'm about to make because George R. R. Martin has like fucking everything mapped out, and it's like a like a song a song of ice and fire is like incredibly detailed and everything. But like I hear like HBO saying like oh yeah after Game of Thrones is done we have like four ideas for for uh, for prequel series right, to do yeah. and I'm sitting there like this could be a fucking prequel series for a Dark Tower <laughs> thing if Dark Tower was huge. Um, and I would fucking love it. Like the, cause, cause the book series takes place after like the fall of civilization in Midworld. Right. So Roland Deschain is literally, he's the last gunslinger and gunslingers are like the, like, uh, uh, like sort of like Jedi and, and they're kind of like peacekeepers and, and, and stuff. And when society was, was, you know, active, there were like plots to, take down take take everyone down because the crimson king wanted to you know end the world and shit um and it's it's really rich and and interesting and we're never going to see that on screen well um, not anytime soon at least. not anytime soon keep your which, head up yeah there's which, always hope for the future that's what that's what i hope so that's what i hope what i hate is that hollywood is going to say Oh, it really is unadaptable. It really is un- unmakeable. Please, they can um, adapt Watchmen. They can yeah, adapt. exactly. And like, I'm sitting there like, okay, so yeah, this this hybrid of like fantasy and science fiction and horror um, and and western isn't adaptable. But oh, hey, no, you know, the most popular show on on the planet right now is Game of Thrones. You know, straight fantasy has a lot of magic and shit in it. Um, also, medieval. And- yep. Also, Westworld. You know, had science fiction a little bit of western in there too um like mystery surrounding it yeah you know but no this this dark tower thing is uncrackable well i'm just um, glad this experience hasn't made you bitter oh no 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 yeah i mean life is over i, I have nothing <laughs> to live for but you know that's fine <laughs> hear that pizza yeah oh you're still my little pretty pizza princess <laughs> um but anyway um i was gonna say something but i forgot um yeah. Oh, yeah. I did like. I don't know. I I just hope that you know. Um, down the road we get something. All I I'm sure you yeah. will. So, keep... Someone will readapt. It's, yeah. It's it's a cycle. Yeah. It may not be soon. It may take a decade, but. Mm-hmm. All I keep thinking is that uh, you know Game of Thrones is ending after next season. 
HBO, I mean, you know. HBO has four pre- prequel series to work well, on. Well, let's right. see if that, you know, let's see if they, they feel like it. Um, yeah, there probably won't be any profit in that. No, no, no. No one wants Ugh. to see the uh, the the rebellion right, put on Robert's screen. Robert's Rebellion. Yeah. But I want to see, you know, the Battle of Jericho Hill and the Fall of Gilead. And, you know, I want to see John Farson and, and Magus. One day. Everything. Yeah, Keep your head so. up, Matt. Keep your head I will. Up. I will. If not, I'll write the fucking thing. There you go. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, that uh, that's our review of The Dark Tower. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's, uh, it's a sad it's a sad day. Sad day. Yeah. It is. It is. It's probably going to be my one of the worst movies I've seen all year. Uh, I mean, it's going to make... It's yeah, I mean, right now, it's, it's number one. Yeah. So. And yeah. to be fair, I, do I I make it a point not to see a lot of bad movies because right. time and mm-hmm. you know, time's always an issue, and so I try to be very selective about my right. movies. So, and uh, hey, you know what? Maybe I'll yeah. just go see Emoji Movie just to be able to say that it there wasn't the go. worst movie I saw this year. Yeah, Emoji Movie made more money on Monday than Dark Tower did on Monday. That's not fair though, because Emoji Movie has the kids, and yeah. no matter how shit. A movie is mm-hmm. if it's a kid movie it's gonna make money right right so that's true that's true they should have just made it like a pixar adaptation <laughs> dark tower for kids jesus christ <laughs> i would probably be better than what we got um no that's not true <laughs> yeah so yeah that's the dark tower um we had to suffer through batman forever and batman and robin there you go so that's the that's what I that's what I'm holding on to. Rationalization. Yep. Yep. Okay, and that does it for this week's episode of Tower Junkies. Um this has been a super long episode and uh and uh I just figured it would just be best to just get everything out there in regards to what we have um with the Dark Tower movie and everything um we will be having palaver episodes after or i guess it wouldn't be palaver episodes it would be um uh doorway cave episodes um but we will have specific episodes devoted to the dark tower tv and film adaptation news and reviews and all that um we have planned down the road a uh an episode where we basically discuss uh akiva goldsman's and Jeff Pinkner's um, 2014 draft of the uh, Dark Tower movie script, um, which I referenced in both reviews with Tony and Fekas. Uh, we have that in the pipeline. I think we're also going to do an episode where we um, discuss how we would, how we would handle um, uh, um, continuing the franchise as it is with the Dark Tower as the, as the beginning of it and and go through there so um at this point again thank you guys for listening and and i know that we were incredibly harsh (laughs) on on the movie and i don't want anyone listening to think that we were bullying the movie or we were setting ourselves up to be disappointed with the movie or anything like that um i feel like we we gave some pretty good objective viewpoints um to it as well as being just let down longtime fans of the of the series um having said that if you're listening to this and you have any 
input or any um, you want to share your thoughts on the movie or on the podcast as a whole or or you want to join our palaver, um, go ahead and send us an email at matt at obsessiveviewer.com. We would love to hear anything you have to say about anything <laughs> regarding Stephen King and the Dark Tower. Um, as I mentioned to Tiny before, or as, as Tiny and I mentioned on the podcast before, um, we just love talking about this stuff. And we really want, we know that we're a, a newer podcast. We just launched and everything, but we're just kind of dying for that, um, for that connection with, with listeners to, I want us to bond with our listeners over the thing that we love, uh, in, in media more than almost pretty much anything, our favorite thing, uh, the dark tower. So, um, feel free to send us in your emails. We will be glad to read them on the air and, and, you know, we'll respond back. We, I can't wait to hear from you guys essentially. And, uh, yeah. Um, I think that'll about do it then. Um, yeah, next time, I think after this, we're going to be doing our It episodes, where you have three episodes in the pipeline for It. We're going to be doing a review of the book, so it'll be a Black 13 episode, since it's Tower-related. Um, and then we're also going to be doing a review of the miniseries, which would be a Todash episode, which, of course, you can find a breakdown of all of these categories that we have for episodes. I know we have like six or seven of them. Uh, you can find those in the show notes, which, again, can be found at uh, towerjunkiespod.com slash 002 or at towerjunkiespod.com slash about. That'll show you all the information you need about the podcast and where to find it and in different episodes and all that. So, um, we'll be doing an, a review of the miniseries, the It miniseries from 99, or I'm sorry. <laughs> we'll be doing a review of It the book. And then we'll be doing a review of it, the mini series from 1990. And then finally, we will of course be reviewing it, the 2017 movie, um, that's coming out or by the time you're listening to this could have just come out, or I think it'll come out this weekend by the time you're listening to this once it's released. So anyway, um, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, it's a blast. This is our third podcast under the obsessiveviewer.com umbrella. So it's a little bit taxing on me to, to manage all of these podcasts and everything, but I am so psyched to have this outlet to share my love of the dark tower. And I can't wait for us to, to really get into discussing the, the books and the different characters and different scenarios, uh, like so much stuff. There's so much stuff about the series to talk about. And I just can't wait to share that with you guys. So again, find us on towerjunkiespod.com, uh, rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe to us, iTunes, Stitcher, Google play, all that good stuff. Any podcast app, uh, uh, you, you find, follow us on Twitter at tower junkies pod and on Instagram and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash tower junkies pod. Having said all that, um, yeah, uh, we'll see you next time. Long days and pleasant nights, and thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Tower Junkies, a Dark Tower podcast presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at TowerJunkiesPod.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or anywhere else podcasts are found. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can find ways to do that at towerjunkiespod.com slash donate or become a patron for Obsessive Viewer at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer for recurring donations with different reward tiers. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. 
Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. You can contact us by emailing us at matt at obsessiveviewer.com or by tweeting us at towerjunkiespod or at obsessiveviewer and at obsessivetiny. You can also like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash towerjunkiespod. For more podcast content from obsessiveviewer.com, check out Anthology, my solo side project podcast where I'm reviewing The Twilight Zone as a first-time viewer and exploring other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology television shows. You can find Anthology at anthologypod.com and anywhere podcasts are found. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the app of your choice. Once again, thank you for listening to Tower Junkies, and we'll see you next time.